Leading Britain's conversation. This is LBC with Steve Allen. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC. Ooh, did you hear that? Oh, I didn't dress for you today. You think, good God, honestly, I thought everybody liked a bit of flattery. You look really nice today. Isn't that a nice compliment to say to somebody as opposed to, by God, you look like you've jumped in a puddle and dragged yourself through a hedge. I thought people liked compliments. I think you all look gorgeous this morning. There's a few mad ones out there I've heard on the radio already, but uh, luckily we don't have to deal with things like that, because between now and 6.30, it's me, you, versus the world. And the unsurprising truth about the Queen's amorous marriage. Wills and Kate sloping off again. I don't know why we'd be interested in a couple of very, very rich people off on yet another holiday. Do you think he might turn up to the next friend's wedding? Or do you think he's sort of given up with all of that kind of stuff? Oh, and BMW. Ooh. They've said sorry for helping Hitler. BMW have said that. Uh, Pip Schofield signs a £2 million contract. He said that when he leaves this morning, Holly will leave with him because they, they work as a as a twosome. Unfortunately, Pip's got that ghastly hypnosis show. He can't even hypnotise the audience into believing that it's brilliant because it's the biggest pile of doggy doos you've ever seen in your entire life. Model says, I'm skint, buy me presents. I think there's a name for things like that, actually, dear. I can't quite remember exactly what it is, but I'm sure that there is. Uh, The Mets' advice to blobby bobbies, try snowball fights and window cleaning. And um, a man attacks girlfriend after bedclothes tussle. You know, it's happened apparently in 99.9% of relationships. You're lying in bed and somebody's got the duvet, and then you wake up in the middle of the night and the duvet's vanished from your side of the bed because they've rolled themselves over in it. I personally cannot speak from experience. Because uh, I sleep nude. (laughs) Tried to take that image out of your mind immediately. Believe you me, it's not worth it. And uh, so they end up in court and um, and he gets found guilty. But apparently it's quite common to have tussles over the bedclothes. That's why it always been so much easier, as I remember saying to the Queen once, to sleep alone, sleep by yourself. I mean, imagine the noise Prince Philip must make when he sleeps. God, it must be like one of those dreadful sort of uh, elephant seals. Like that. Dreadful noises, dreadful noises. Anyway, yesterday, disaster on the buses. Total disaster. Got myself into trouble with the police. It was not turning out very well. When I sort of... I left here yesterday morning and I I had a craving. I don't often have cravings when I leave here, but I thought I fancied a new bacon and um, burger thing for breakfast from McDonald's. So I walked down to the Strand, which is past my usual bus stop, go onto the Strand, thinking I'll buy one and I can eat it walking to the next bus stop. And as I cross the road to go to McDonald's, I look down and I see blue flashing lights uh, by Maplins on the corner of Waterloo Bridge. But I didn't think anything of it. I just thought perhaps the police have stopped somebody. So I I go into McDonald's. There's a queue a mile long. I thought, oh, sod that for soldiers. So I I come out. I thought, I'm not going to buy it. I do not queue. There's one thing that Steve Allen doesn't do, and it's queue. I think it's the most ridiculous thing we've ever had. But anyway, so I walk down the road to go and get the bus at the next bus stop, which is by Robert Dias. Stand there for two minutes, bus comes along, I get on, swipe my little card, free on the buses of course, and and as we get near uh, to Waterloo Bridge, the driver is talking to Control, and Control is saying, uh, oh it's obviously closed, um, you'll have to drop your passengers off. So I thought, oh god. So anyway, so we get to Waterloo Bridge, we cross just over into the Aldwych, a little bit by the Waldorf, and we all get dropped off. So I've literally gone 50 yards, if, if that... And now, across Waterloo Bridge, there is a, a blue piece of tape. You know, police line, do not cross kind of thing. But there's loads of people walking across the bridge. So I thought, well, I'll walk across the bridge as well. So I duck under the tape, 
uh, with this woman. I didn't know her. She just, you know, just she ducked under and I ducked under. Because we saw all these people on the bridge. And the policeman goes, oi! They're like that. Oi! He goes to me. I thought, God, dear, a bit of manners. Would not go amiss. I thought, excuse me might be nicer. Anyway, she barely spoke English. So I had to sort of, you know, I was sort of... And he said, that, that tape says, do not cross this line. So I said, but what are all these people doing crossing the bridge now? He said, they're coming from the other side. I thought, so it's all right for them to come for the other side, but it's not OK for me to walk over the bridge. Didn't quite get his logic, but anyway, I'm sure he knew what he was talking about. And uh, so I said, what, what's the problem? And normally they just go, and it's instant. He said, oh, it's a suspect package. So I said, oh, I said, I've got to get to Waterloo. And I'm, I'm there. I can see Waterloo Station. And there's people walking over the bridge, like quite a lot of people. And I'm kind of stuck this side, and he's not letting me walk over the bridge on the same bit of bridge that all these other people are walking on. Anyway, so I thought, OK. So then I had to walk all the way back down to Charing Cross. So I've only just come from Charing Cross. All the way back down again. So it's like an, ex- like an exercise class. And as I get next to McDonald's, there's no queue. So I thought, I'll nip in and get myself one of these burgers. So I got one of these burgers. Well, to be tr- truth be told, I bought two. I thought, one for the journey, one, one for the train. And so I then go to Embankment Tube, swipe in, free. And uh, free all the tubes for me. I'm at that age. And, uh, and I get on the, the train. And I'm thinking, I'm never going to make the train that I wanted to get on at Waterloo Station. Well, blow me down. I did. With minutes to spare. Even walking back. Even the walking all the way back and down Villiers Street. God, it was busy. Thousands of people heading, you know, in the opposite direction to me. They're all walking to me. And I'm going, excuse me, excuse me. Sorry. So get out of the way. Sorry. <laughs> get on the tube. And it was fine. My God, does everybody look miserable on the tube in London first thing in the morning? <gasps> Girl, blimey, I tell you, they need some clowns on there to cheer them up a little bit. They were miserable. Everybody sits there staring at you. Unfortunately, I'd just taken a mouthful of my burger. And the train, when it set off, they they set off at a speed. I I fell. I didn't actually fall down. But I lurched into a piece of glass. And, of course, everybody immediately looks at you. And I thought, go on, look at me. Be jealous because I've got a burger and you haven't. And so they did. And so I get up at Waterloo and managed to get on the train. And and all was perfect for the remainder of the day. But by golly, it was gold. Oh, dear, it was freezing cold yesterday. Absolutely freezing cold. And in fact, as I'm walking along, luckily I've got a sort of coat where I can pull my hands actually into the coat sleeve. And so it does look as though maybe I've sort of lost a hand somewhere. And it was it was lovely and warm and it was it was a bit toasty. But by God, against your face, it was freezing cold. And I've got a scarf which protects my uh, throat. There's no other reason. I'm not wearing it for its lovely appearance. I'm wearing it because uh, it keeps my throat uh, better. I don't want to pick up any illnesses or stuff like that. I've got a got a job to to do and uh, and money to make. So that's how it works. And so that was that. Then everybody this morning was talking about this equality for women, and I'm firmly of the opinion that women should be paid exactly the same money as men if they're doing the same job. But in this job, radio, there's nobody who's going to be earning the same money as I am because nobody else does my job. I do early breakfast and I do it seven days a week. I do Monday through Friday, four till six thirty. Uh, we call it early breakfast because it's like the it's the it's the pre run up to to Nick Ferrari's breakfast. But of course, London being twenty four hours and me- must, most of the country being twenty four hours, we don't sort of close down. It's not Norway or Sweden or Denmark. We actually run twenty four hours. You know, there's people out delivering, people driving buses, people getting the trains ready, people getting out there, and this is a normal time of day for them. Totally normal. We don't think any about it. People driving taxis, people don't think about it. This is what we do for a living. If I was going to drive a taxi, believe you me, it would be this time of the morning. 
Because at least you can get from A to B without getting stuck in traffic jams. Whoever wants to work during the daytime must be blooming mad. They must have more grey hair than anybody else. It really is terrible. So, see, I don't, I don't worry about people earning the same money. Because you get occasionally get sort of dumb people right you going, Oh, so how much do you earn? And then people trying to guess what you earn. Nobody's ever come anywhere near it. Anywhere near it at all. You think to yourself, why would it interest people how much people earn? I mean, are they jealous? Do you think people are jealous of what people earn? So, you know, if there is a woman on LBC doing exactly the same job that I am, then I would expect her to earn the same money. But, of course, nobody's doing the same job because we're all doing different shift times. So mine is 4 to 6.30. And uh, then I have a repeat programme on a Saturday morning between 5 and 7, which is the best of the week. And then on Sunday morning, in conversation between 5 and 6. And then I'm live between 6 and 8. And then I'm repeated with in conversation between 9 and 10. So effectively, I'm on air seven days a week. The reason I'm on air seven days a week is because I generate an audience. That's the only, I'm only here for that. I'm not here for my good looks. I'm not here for my stunning personality. I'm not here because I'm slim and gorgeous with flowing blood. I'm not here for any of that. I'm here because I generate an audience. That's what we're in. We're in the business of commercial radio. It's only at the BBC where they don't actually need to worry about radio figures because nobody's listening to local radio at all. It's down on its knees. I've seen the figures. I mean, it's practically flat out on some of the, uh, the time slots. I mean, it's really embarrassing. I feel sorry for them because they must be just broadcasting to the, uh, to the producer. And then I think, I don't even think they've got producers, actually. And then Chris Evans got carpeted the other day because he was plugging his TFI Friday programme, which, of course, is hilarious because the BBC, we've, we've censored him and we've had a word with him. I bet they have. Oh, Chris, if, if, if you wouldn't mind just, uh, you know, I mean, you know, seriously, I mean, sorry, sorry to mention it. Sorry to mention it. But, you know, if, if you wouldn't mind not mentioning your TFI Friday programme. It's OK to mention Top Gear because that's one of ours, but TFI comes on. Oh, sorry to have mentioned it to you. Really sorry. Oh, God, I'm so sorry. We'll give you a pay rise. Give you a pay rise. I mean, how would the whole family like to go to South Africa? Sorry to have mentioned it to you, Chris. Terribly. Because you'd imagine Chris Evans turning around and going, I'm sorry, you're telling me off for plugging my TFI Friday programme. <laughs> stick it, stick your top gear oh sorry god no we never mentioned, mentioned it oh we're so sorry because that's what they do at the BBC they don't, they, there's no sort of censorship unless it's local radio BBC Radio Solent in which case they take somebody off air and they have to sit there twiddling their thumbs while the local vicar gets a programme and dearly beloved today we're going to be talking about about hearsay and uh, some of the other super beat combos that have hit the charts in my lifetime. You know, it's as dull and as boring as the farming programme, or failing that, the shipping forecast. Have you heard it? Do you seriously think that people bobbing around on the North Sea about to drown can be listening to the shipping forecast? Doggerbank, Finisterre, Force 3. Sorry, it always makes me... I used to listen to the shipping forecast years ago, and I used to imagine, you know, exactly what they were doing out there. Were they they listening to the shipping forecast? And if you heard the newsreaders on some of these uh, terribly, terribly stuck-up radio stations, they're terribly like that, you know, and we all speak terribly clipped. Terribly clipped voices in radio. Because that's what it's all about. Because it's meant to appeal to people who listen to the archers and they live out in Ambridge and they sort of, they go farming and then we go to the pub and all the rest of it. Secretly underground, three serms, wife swapping, you name it, it's all going on in the country. Oh, my goodness me. Goes on within the royal family. Why shouldn't it go elsewhere? Oh, and the bad news is, oh, as I predicted, I'm so sorry to predict it, but uh, he came back from nowhere, the sweaty one from five, Richie Neville. Yes, poor little Richie Neville, the one who looks as though he puts lipstick on. Always very, very odd. And uh, he comes back to the country for whatever reason I can't think of. I think he was living in Australia, running a bar or something. Whatever it was, he comes back and he shacks up 
that being the operative word, with Natasha Hamilton. She's got children with just about everybody, and all of a sudden, she's, uh, she's up the duff again with his, I believe. I, believe, I might be wrong. And so then... You know, uh, they do their interviews with OK Magazine, and it's wonderful, and here we are, and we're telling them that they've split. They've split. I mean, hilarious. But we're still going to be friends, she says. And you think, you know, is it because he's dull and boring? And looks like... They even did a television programme about them. And here we are, this is us, and he's sort of desperately trying to get back into the music industry. And the music industry is going, I don't think so, sweet pea. I don't think so. And so, you know, it, it goes like that. And all these people, their relationships last five minutes. That's why... I, and I did say at the time, it will not last. She does not have track record. But at least she's made a bit of money out of flogging it. And she'll probably flog some more pictures and saying, you know, we were here. And then he'll try and... He's obviously off with somebody else. But I always thought he was the most boring one. He was certainly the one who sweated the most out of the group. I've never seen somebody sweat as much as Richie Neville. But uh, now he's sort of serious and he's into his music and all this kind of stuff. So presumably, as he doesn't actually appear to have an income, he'll have to find somewhere to live. And and I'll make this other prediction. Cheryl Spagbowl and uh, Little Boy That Says Nothing. uh, Give it uh, six months. Finished. Once, once they get over the bit of publicity and they've done their stories about how, how you know, we are together and writing music and all that sort of garbage, which none of us buy into, it's a case then of, uh, of uh, we've actually split up. And we all go, no kidding, Shakespeare. No kidding. Quarter past four. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to have your company. Apparently, apparently, the incident on Waterloo Bridge, according to my friend Miguel, who drives the 176 as does my friend Nicky. Uh, it was closed, it was because a car had an accident by the roundabout by the IMAX. And why that would have stopped me walking over the bridge, I've got no idea. They made it sound like it was a bomb or something. Mind you, it could have been, we're being warned, aren't we, to be especially vigilant. And that means you lot out there. You being especially vigilant, because they've said that ISIS are planning a bombing campaign, and they think it could be targeting this country. I merely mention it. Not to uh, scare you or to do anything like that, but merely to say to you, just be vigilant. Luckily, security services are well on top of it, but it's up to you to be vigilant. We've always said that once we let our guard down, that's the dangerous side of it. And we do have lunatics in this country. Uh, ISIS, as you know, that paedophile murdering bunch of people. They're paedophiles. They can't help it. They just don't know anything about life at all. In fact, they, they hate the West, and yet they embrace the technology. It's hilarious, isn't it? Because we know exactly what they are. And when you see them in court, they just look like people who are slightly, slightly cracked. In fact, very cracked. Very cracked indeed. Uh, I'm drinking tea, eating a bacon and egg roll. Ah, we found better than a bacon and egg roll. We found much better than a bacon and egg roll, Dorman Dom. Uh, we found one here from uh, Sean, who's tucking into chicken, fried rice, chips and sweet and sour sauce. That sounds quite nice, doesn't it? <laughs> chicken, fried rice, <laughs> chips and sweet and sour sauce. Yummy, yummy, yummy at this time of the morning. I've got food in my tummy. That sounds delicious. I'm devastated. Natasha Hamilton discussing her shock split from Richie Neville. I always thought there was something odd about him. You know, any man who sort of dresses a bit sort of spivvy doesn't kind of get my vote. She seems quite nice. Um, And so she's done an interview in OK Magazine. (laughs) So you do the interview, if you're a sort of third-rate celeb, about, you know, getting together with somebody. We've only been together, you know, less than two years. Seriously, it's it's that that tragic. And, uh, And then you do an interview when you split up. And then we all go, yawn, and they go, and their fans will be devastated. What fans? What f- fans of who? Not of her, surely. 
Not of him. I mean, he hasn't been in the charts for ages. He's just popped up on a few things and he's a bit oily. He's a bit greasy. He's a bit, he's a bit naff. And obviously she went off him. And uh, who knows what it could be. I, I, to be honest with you, I, couldn't, I care less about them than I do about Stephanie Watson-Face, the, the drunk old baggage, and her sort of tattooed boyfriend. Oh, sorry, not boyfriend now. They've split up, haven't they? It's almost, it's almost like watching Kerry Coke Toner's car crash relationships, isn't it? We should all be et- 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 eternally grateful that you're not a third-rate D-list celebrity. Although in the case of Kerry Coke Toner and Stephanie Davis and her O'Connell bloke, I mean, they're not even D-list. They don't even, I mean, they, they aren't even on the end of it. They're, they're even below Z. They're just nobodies. They're just drunks. And then I saw the most ghastly programme on the television. And it was people being tattooed. And, and sort of people, there was one bloke, he got a tattoo on of his, of his previous girlfriend. He looked a right, a right spoon, he really did. And, um, and so then he had to have the tattoo covered up with something else so that his current girlfriend didn't get upset. So they sort of covered it over and it was on his chest. They're all weedy people, aren't they? People have tattoos done, are a bit weedy. You go, oh, ow, it hurt, ow, 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 it hurts. Oh, shut up, for goodness sake. I must say, a bunch of old girls' blouses. Anyway, uh, I've got lobster for you this morning at £2.99. Uh, and also, why it is that songs about getting old make the elderly feel miserable. When I get older, losing my hair, many years... Oh, God, please don't sing about getting old. Nobody. We all get old. From the moment you're born, you start ageing. You only start noticing it when you get to about 40-ish. I've seen some very old 40-ishes. And you can always hear them on the radio, can't you? The ones who smoke, because you can hear it in their voices. It's either that or they've got laryngitis, but mainly it's smoking-related issues. And uh, I've discovered loads of people who listen to radio overnight are on drugs. They've only got to talk about cannabis, and immediately the phone's lines lit up. Oh? Yeah, cannabis doesn't make any difference to me at all, mate. No, I'm, I'm, no, really. I function, I really, really, and we listen to them thinking, oh, my God. Godfathers, oh, to goodness you're not driving anything. Uh, the Hatton Garden mastermind has only got months to live, so he couldn't appear in court, even by video link. So, I mean, you know, like we care. Because they're being made out to be lovable rogues, aren't they? No, they're just thieves. Just common thieves. Common being the operative word. And they're still trying to find a bit of the money. Uh, inked up infants arrive in North Dakota. Tattooed infants. It's not quite as bad as you think it is. Uh, the model, who's going out with somebody from N-dubs, I think, is so broke that she's had to appeal to rich people to buy her presents. Poor old soul, honestly. You've only got to look at her to realise you must have reached the end of your career, dear. They always describe them loosely as models. But models nowadays take on... I mean, let's face it, at one time, Jodie Marsh was described as a model. You only had to look at her to realise, I mean, a model for what? Tanks? Yeah, God, awful. And uh, another top A to Labour's uh, Khan quits after six sick tweets and gun pictures. He can't, And this man is, is running to be mayor. Have you seen the sort of friends he's got? <sighs> don't think so. I don't think so. Uh, the grumpy Kanye West, Mr. Miserable. Come on, Kanye, give us a smile, you miserable little so-and-so. I'm the world's biggest superstar, only in your tiny little brain, pal. Let's face it, you're bankrupt, you're bust, you've got nothing going for you. But at least you're going out with that fat-bottomed woman, aren't you? And that's nothing to do. With, uh, with Queen. Towie the Disasters is in some of the papers today. Well, it's in one of the papers, because I couldn't think of anything else to write about, so they just put down who they're all... and why they're still in there. I've got no idea why they're in there. Oh, and Ian H. Watkins. Remember when he came out as gay? Well, that was a shock for the industry. Good God. Ian H. Watkins, the camp one from Steps, is gay. Well, I would tell you, you could have knocked me down in the Bulls Pond Road, ladies and gentlemen. I never would have guessed that one. Uh, apparently, he's just had twins with his boyfriend. So, uh, so that's it. What does he do now? 
Does he do anything? Does he actually have a job? Once you've been in steps, I don't think there's, there's not a steps tribute band, is there? Oh, God, God help us if there is. Uh, and also the BBC's Breakfast Time showed you a bottomless woman rowing a boat. She had no pants on. Rowing a boat. And of course, they all go, oh, I can't believe you showed it on the Breakfast Time. Mind you, that there was a couple on Sky News the other day, some dirty woman, who, who then turned to her co-presenter uh, and said, did the earth move for you last night? In that kind of way. And I thought, ugh, tacky. You're as tacky as Colleen Nolan. And it turns out there was an earthquake in Kent. So there you go. Apparently it wasn't very... Two point something on the Richter scale. Uh, Colleen Nolan gets all flirty with Felix Schofield. What a dirty old bag she is. What a dirty, horrible old woman she is. Small wonder her son's like that. And the husband must be going, oh, God, here she goes embarrassing everybody again. I don't think she engages brain. As she started on the diet, do you think? I looked at her the other day. It doesn't look like she had. And as she stopped smoking, doesn't sound like she has, does it? But that's what she's told us. But then, of course, most of Colleen's world is sort of a little bit fantasy. And so she starts drooling over Philip Schofield. Watch it, Philip. She's a bit lecherous. Of course, had that been a bloke leering over Janet's... No, that would never happen, would it? Uh, had it been a bloke leering over, you know, anybody else on the programme, people have been on them like a tonne of bricks. Because it's silly old fat bird, Colleen Nolan, nobody really cares about her. They just go, oh, silly old Colleen. A little bit of an attention seeker, a little bit sad. Nobody fancies her. I mean, it really is. It's, it's a bit naff, I'm afraid. And to start doing this sort of thing on the television, make yourself look stupid. When she's got a husband, I could understand if she was single and desperately trying to appeal to somebody. But, I mean, she's got a husband. She keeps telling us about him. I'm beginning to wonder how much of a husband he is to her. Uh, the BMW bosses say sorry for helping Hitler. I'll tell you about that one a little bit later on. And um, and he's back. Oh, Betty, I've had a bit of trouble. Yes, Michael Crawford is back recreating for charity some of his famous moments. Uh, there's also the 25 drunk Irish passengers kicked off a jet. Apparently they were abusive and drunk. I think now there should be some sort of test before you get onto a plane. I'm sorry, you're in a party, what, 25? You're drunk. OK, whole party off the plane. Well, you should have not let him have drink. But, of course, they serve drink at the airports. But there again, you're supposed to be responsible. Supposed to be responsible. It's like they sell sweets. If you're diabetic, you don't have them. If you're a drunk, you know, and they go, oh, I have a drink on the plane. You think, and the pilot's going, you're not flying. I'm not taking any of you. We'll sit here till heaven, heaven freezes over or hell freezes over, whichever one is going to be the coldest. And so they, they offload them, which means they have to take all the bags off as well. And some of the blokes went too. <laughs> you get it? Get it? No? All right. Do it for myself. And, um, and so they take them all off. And the other passengers have to sit there for three hours while they offload these people who are drunk. What is it about stupid people who are sort of... They get on a plane and they're, they're three sheets. Get a drink. Oi. Birdie. Drink. Here. No, you're not having anything. No, you're not. We're not giving you an order. How do they even get on the planes in the first place? I thought there was supposed to be some sort of security check. They stand there. Every time I've seen a programme about the airport, it seems to be people stand there saying, sorry, sir, you've had too many drinks. Madam, mad, madam, oh, sorry, sir, uh, you, you've had too, too many drinks. I haven't? Yeah, you have, and, and we're not going to let you fly until you've sobered up. I eat at home today. I eat at home today. Well, you can't. You're drinking too much. Well, I don't know. Yes, you have. You've had a couple of drinks, so we're not going to let you on the plane. I want to go on the plane! Well, you can't. Kerry Katona, go back to the back of the line again. Silly old bag, honestly. More bad publicity for Top Gear. They can't get it right. Uh, the, you know what the story is today in the paper? You don't believe the story in the paper today. This is, I mean, if, if they want to kill a programme before it kicks off, they're doing a very good job of it. The latest one is that they're now terribly worried about Matt LeBlanc and Chris Evans not being able to fit into the cars because they're eating too much KFC. 
I mean, who is this programme trying to appeal to? At the moment, it's got Kiss of Death, cancel it now, written all over it, because they're not getting any good pub... This thing hasn't even taken off, and already they're putting out these spurious stories. Where would that have come from? Somebody works on the programme. It's that bad. It really is that bad. But I do have a good story for you this morning, not from them, but from a lady called Florence, who's taken on the might of the big companies, and I'll tell you why very, very shortly. Let's have a check on the news, shall we? With the time now at 4.30. And with Nick Ferrari this morning, Turkey says letting it join the EU will help solve the refugee crisis. If Turkey offered to hold migrants at the border, would you support them joining the EU? An aide to Sadiq Khan resigns after saying Lee Rigby's killing was faked. I mean, you can't believe the mentality of some of these people. Should the Labour mayoral candidate go too? That's about, he's had some complete disasters, hasn't he, really? Tennis star and former world number one, Maria Sharapova, fails a drug test at the Aussie Open. And women are being urged to share the location of sex assaults to create a harassment map of London. Now, will that keep people safe or just scaremonger? That's Nick today from seven after the morning news with Lisa Aziz, Rupert Myers, barrister, commentator and pundit. We'll be looking through the papers for this morning. Morning fat, he says, because I've just tweeted a picture of me. Just taken a minute ago. And he says, there he is. <laughs> so, there he is. Look, there he is. <laughs> Where's Wally? Where's Wally? He's there. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, and Dean, he says, uh, car in for service later. Can't sleep. Hot chocolate. Hot cho- Oh, no, that's not the thing to have at this time of the morning, is it? Nick has voted uh, for me, as has uh, Diane and, uh, and Grant as well. He says, Steve Allen. Camp, clever, crisp, funny and sharper than a Gillette razor blade. A voice you never tire of listening to. God. And uh, and Sarah says, uh, apparently Chris Moyles told us about Alfie's podcast. It's so hilariously bitchy. God, you wait till you hear this morning's then, if you think some of these. And then, uh, and then Annie says, so bitchy, but so true. Love how Steve says how it is. And David says, can you wish my mum Elaine a happy 59th birthday? Not long until the big six zero. Actually, I was I was thinking the other day after we had uh, after we had Mother's Day and people were um, buying flowers and everything else. And of course, I don't have a mother to buy flowers for, and I don't um, because uh, she wasn't buried. It was a cremation, so there's you know I just think about her all the time because that's what you do. But a friend of mine is going through a, a bad period with his mother at the moment. She's very ill, very seriously ill, and so he's spending as much time with her as is humanly possible. Because I've always said that the one thing you have to do is you have to spend, you know, as much time with your parents, because you only get them the once. They don't come back another time, contrary to what you might think. They're only there the once. And I know some people I've spoken to go, oh, I couldn't care less about my parents. I hate them. You know, you all go through a phase, don't you, when you're 16, 17, and your parents are, you know, bearing down on you, and you sort of... Th- but I promise you, later in life, you think completely differently. You think completely differently. And when when they're not there, when they're not there, when you're standing in a... In a, in a chapel or you're in a church or something like that and you think, that's it. That's it. I hope they're somewhere nice. I hope they're sitting on a cloud looking down because you only get them the once and you should make the most of them. And I know it's a, a ridiculous thing to say, but after Mother's Day, you do think about it. I know some people get, even, you know, years and years later after their, their mother died, they get terribly upset about it. And Dad said, but it's always mums that, 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 sort of, that sort of come to the forefront, isn't it? You know, you know I didn't get as upset over my dad passing on as I did about my mother. I don't know why, because I, I, I was sort of quite close to my dad as well as my mum. But you never think you're doing enough. You never, you know, there's all sorts of things that you do. I told you before that, you know, my mum used to get, you know, quite, she was quite frugal. She was, uh, you know, she was able to sort of look after herself. She could cook 
And uh, But a treat for her, a treat, can you believe, was fresh orange juice. Freshly squeezed orange juice. That was a big thing for her. If I took down a litre of freshly squeezed orange juice, that was like, oh, blimey. Oh, and flowers. Flowers she loved as well. So uh, I only mention that because this friend of mine is going through a particularly difficult period. And, uh, and we also, as we did yesterday, send our best wishes to Debbie McGee. She's in the papers today saying that she didn't realise so many people actually cared. People do care. People do care. And uh, as I say, Paul, Paul, Paul Daniels could be <laughs> quite a stroppy little so-and-so. Small man syndrome, I'm totally convinced. But uh, our thoughts are with her because she's, uh, she must be physically exhausted, I should imagine, because he's actually gone home to spend... They never say he's gone home to die. They just say he's gone home to spend his last uh, days or whatever it is. They don't know how long he's got. You know, every day, as they uh, said the other day, Martin said, is a, is a, is a bonus is an absolute bonus. So, and that's the bonus that you should hang on to. You know, nobody wants to see your uh, your sort of parents going. It's a, it's a terrible thing. So if anybody's in that situation this morning, that's what we're here for. Not here just, you know, to offer sort of comfort and guidance. It's just, it's just a friendly voice. It's just somebody to listen to that makes you feel like you're not the only one in the world. And you don't get it by listening to anything else. You only get it from LBC. You only get it from LBC where you can listen to people debating and it takes your mind off... Uh, off, off different things. Uh, Chris Golds uh, wanted to know whether John Lewis should have said sorry to the. T- Do you remember there was a story about John Lewis? It's in the papers today. I forgot to uh, to put it on my list. Um, and it was a toddler who was being particularly noisy. And somebody came over and said, "We've had a complaint. Would you like to take your toddler out?" And um, and and anyway, obviously that isn't John Lewis' policy at all. So they've sent flowers and they've sent an apology and that kind of stuff. Because, but people do, do complain. I'm trying to do my shopping, trying to do my shopping, and this child is screaming. I was on a bus once. The mother totally ignored the child, didn't even give it a pacifier. She just screamed the place down. Could have been teething, could have been anything. But we all sort of sat there being terribly good and British. Whereas really, I suppose most people wanted to say, listen, do you think you could take the kid off the bus? Because it's driving me mad. Absolutely driving me mad. Um... Another one here, listening in uh, Tenerife, avoiding cold weather for a week, Steve. And that's uh, Elaine. How lovely. On holiday with sister-in-law and cousin. I don't know, that's an odd combination, isn't it? A lot of people going away on holiday at the moment. People going away to, to get away from the, uh, the cold weather. You don't like the cold weather, whereas, in fact, it doesn't bother me, but it was cold yesterday. Uh, so, uh, sorry, just in response to, uh, to Chris's thing, should they have said sorry? Yes, and they did. And they've sent flowers. But uh, that's it. People always complained, aren't they? Oh, how dare they say this? And you think to yourself, well, listen, I mean, come on, darling. Do try and think about other people just occasionally. You know, I understand that kiddies do scream and they do cry and they do throw things <coughs> excuse me, on the floor. And, and it, gets, it gets very wearing for some people. And perhaps they were a little bit in this case, you know, just because somebody complained. You know, they could sort of say, listen, do you, perhaps they should have lollipops behind the counter or something. Or some sort of thing. Go, listen, we know, we, we, know, we know that your kid's screaming and all the rest of it. Would you like, like a lollipop? They're, they're 10p. Would you like a lollipop? Put a jar of lollipops there. Come on. I mean, it's only common sense, isn't it? They do it in the hairdressers. My hairdresser. Oh, I got my hair cut yesterday. Got my hair cut. And, uh, but they do it in the hairdressers. They always, you know, offer kids a lollipop. It's an incentive because kids don't like having their hair cut at all. They absolutely hate it. I don't know why. I don't know why. And uh, somebody hits uh, Paul says, yesterday you mentioned about getting older and how it feels, you know, like you have less time in life. Your best friend who does Mystery Hour had someone ring in with the same question. Relative to your age, e.g. when you're four years old, a tenth of your life is far less overall versus when you're 40. 
I keep seeing your Celebrity Cleaners advert on all four when I'm watching on the tabloid. Celebrity Cleaner. What's that? What's Celebrity Cleaner? I don't even know what that is, actually. But you do, you do think... I don't think about, oh, how many more years have I got left? I really don't. But I, I do sort of think, God, I hope it's going to be quick whenever it happens. I don't want to linger. I don't want to linger. And I don't want to just collapse in the bathroom. I don't want to be found in the bathroom. You imagine just being found in the bathroom. Steve Allen was found in the bathroom wearing his pants. Oh, that would be my worst nightmare. My worst nightmare. People coming in there. Oh, look. How did, well, he fell and cracked his head on the toilet. <laughs> so I'm hoping it's going to happen when I'm asleep. But, but you don't know, do you? I've got no idea. Apparently, getting up early in the morning is the best thing you can ever do. It's the best thing. Because once you're up and you've had your shower and you've had a shave. And uh, I always love having a shave the day after I've had a haircut. Because my, my hair goes a bit fluffy. If it goes about two weeks, it starts... I mean, it's a bit ridiculous, I know, to say it goes fluffy. But I promise you, it does go fluffy. I notice it. And so I thought, I've got to get it cut, because I'm seeing the Godchildren Saturday. We've got a big rugby game in Twickenham. Rugby. Up and under. It's Wales. So there's going to be about 80,000 drunks in the town, which is going to be lovely. But they're always very, very good-natured. Rugby, uh, rugby fans are very, very good-natured, which is quite nice, actually. Um... 84850, Sonia reckons at least tennis fans won't have to listen to the loudest scream on the tennis court, yelling her mouth off. This is Maria Sharapova. It sounds like something out of the Muppet Show, doesn't it? It really does. But I mean, and then they admit, don't they? Oh, yes, uh, I'm Sharadopa. She's failed a drugs test, uh, a performance enhancing drug. A five time Grand Slam winner revealed that she tested positive for melodonium. I don't even know what melodonium is. Somebody says it's for um, it's for diabetes. I've never even heard of it. I've heard of melatonin, but melodonium. But anyway, and uh, she starts the ban on Saturday. The length of her enforced absence is not yet clear. She could be out for two years. What a prat. What a pr- Honestly, these people are so stupid, aren't they? So stupid. You know, somebody that we all look up to. Well, I don't look up to her. I couldn't care less. But, uh, you know, people do look up to them. And then they, they do that. And they get, oh, sorry. God. Uh, 84850lbc.co.uk I voted for you, says Dorman Dom a few times, yes apparently I'm told you can which is, which is quite nice I don't know, somebody asked me when the, when the competition finishes, this is the Radio Times competition uh, and I've got no idea, I mean I, seriously I don't know I, I don't know anything about it apart from the fact that I was told I was on the list by somebody and then and then, uh, and then we, we've had people voting but you know how it stands and how how many times you get voted? I've really got no idea. I don't know anything about it at all. But uh, I don't. I don't think. Sweet though it is, I don't think I stand a cat in Hades chance of, of winning it. Be funny because I've had a number of people writing and saying, "I think it's in the bag," and I'm thinking, "I don't think it is." But it would be funny, wouldn't it? Be very, very funny. Uh, Mark says, when a passenger checks in for their flight, they should blow into a breathalyzer. No pass. No flight. And once aboard, a three alcoholic drink. I don't think they should serve alcohol on flights. Can't they just be healthy? I know that's how they make their money. Could they just serve fruit juices? Today we've got smoothies. You know, today it's a banana daiquiri, but without the uh, without the booze in it. Banana daiquiri. It sounds quite nice, doesn't it, actually? Actually, the more I think about it, the better. I'm trying to find banana drinking yoghurt. It's nigh on impossible. They do all the other flavours, the strawberry, and they do the uh, the other thing. But you don't find orange drinking yoghurt, and you don't find banana and yeah, I used to buy banana ages and ages ago. I bought I bought smoked salmon actually the other day. I'm not a huge fan of smoked salmon, but I but I I did buy it, and I thought to myself, I just fancy some smoked salmon, and uh, an egg mayonnaise. So I'm going to have it later on today. So pff, 
Like I care. Like I care, ladies and gentlemen. Anyway, so uh, what else are we going to talk about today? Oh, we will talk about... Uh, I will bring you the BMW bosses, the Hatton Garden mastermind. They've said, oh, he's only got about three months to live. Do you think they've told him? Do you think they've t- he's 77. And it's, uh, it's cancer, apparently, so he couldn't appear via video link. Uh, there's also the passengers on a train. It's a really good thing, actually. They actually uh, tackle a troll over a rant about foreigners. At one point, one, one of the blokes says to the uh, to the guy who's sort of who's who's uh, the, the the man who's being abusive about foreigners because there's a couple speaking in Spanish, and and some bloke says you don't speak like that over here we don't we don't tolerate that sort of thing so the bloke looks at me goes Are you gay and he goes yes what's that got to do with it quite clearly the man's got some sort of uh, one sort of illness which is not so good I'm on a flight today and I need booze says my are you where are you going where are you. Are you going? Oh, is this? Are you going to America? You going to America today? (laughs) Have you still got snow in Kent, Michael? He says I've just introduced Paul the Cabbie to your show. That's another listener. That'll be three. (laughs) So where are you flying today? He says I need booze. Where are you flying to? Where are you flying? Is it? Is it America? Am I allowed to ask? Am I allowed to say? Uh, Peter says, Have you ever thought of an epitaph? Uh. Um, have you ever thought of an epitaph? Spike Milligan's was I told you I was ill, which I think he nicked from quite a lot of people. And uh, he says, uh, I would have either life was good, life was great, my name was Peter, now I'm late, or you won't hear me complaining if I'm dead tomorrow. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know if I would have an epitaph. I don't think so. I don't think so. He was He was on the radio. He changed a few people's lives, including his own. Oh, Mike, oh, Michael's off to uh, Hong Kong. How lovely. When you go there, Michael, you have to do... I mean, I don't know how much time you're going to have for doing things. He's, uh, he's producing a radio programme. Lovely place at Hong Kong. Very jealous. Very jealous. And um, you have to do the, the following things. You have to go on the Peak Railway. You have to go to the Tiger Balm Gardens. You have to go to the fish markets at Wan Chai. You'll never get over the smell of that. The floating restaurants at Aberdeen. The Tiger Balm Gardens. You've got to get some Tiger Balm ointment from there. You know, you can buy it over here, but it's better to buy it over there. Tiger Balm ointment. Yeah, you get me some Tiger Balm ointment. I know they sell it here, Michael, but it'll be a treat. And uh, what else over there? What else? Well, I don't know. Just enjoy yourself. Just enjoy yourself. It'll be lovely. Really, the, the sights and smells of Hong Kong, really, is, uh, is, is quite something. I must go back, actually. I keep meaning to go back. There's a lovely hotel, and all their courtesy cars are white Rolls Royces. I thought that uh, sounded quite nice, doesn't it, really? Uh, Debbie says, I voted for you last night on the Radio Times. Have I, am I so late for the break? I can't believe it, honestly. Why don't you tell me when I'm coming out to my break? You, you, is it the third time? Am I just not hearing today? Perhaps, perhaps, I'm, I must put new, new battery. I must put some new, new batteries in it. It's obviously not working properly. So it's, it, this should be quarter to five, but I'm really sorry. It's not. It's 12 minutes to five. LBC. Steve Allen on LBC. Text 84850. Morning, everybody. It's uh, nine minutes to five. It's Tuesday morning. It's the 8th of March. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast, and you're very, very welcome. Richard says, I always say if it wasn't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. Lovely. And, uh, and somebody says, haircut. You only got one poor hair. Excuse me. I was in there for 15 minutes. Kasia spends a lot of time over my hair. 
<laughs> and Sandy says, I can't stop laughing at you. Oh, well, that's all right. As long as you're laughing at me, as opposed to with me, I don't really care. Uh, the number of kids getting NHS gender treatment is up by more than 1,000%. Do you reckon in years to come we're going to see a complete backlash against this? I mean, I'm not going to be around for it, but I mean, do you, do you not reckon that all these kids whose sort of parents go, oh, as, as a boy, he always wanted to play with dolls? And they go, oh, that's it, let's give him gender reassignment. And they go, uh, we're going to give you gender re- What? Gender reassignment. I mean, there's one here. At the age of eight, um, this uh, little girl boy, uh, born a girl, but wants to be a boy, and um, he visited a, a clinic in London, age nine, and uh, she says, as a toddler, Kai only wanted to play ball. As a girl, he made a beeline for boys' toys. Plenty of tears, but... Uh, I mean, do you think that that's it? Just because kids want to play with different toys? All of a sudden you go, oh, it's gender reassignment, isn't it? And so before you know where you are, you've got some poor kid. They must get terribly confused at that age. But apparently it's up more than a, a thousand percent. Mental health expert Dr Robert Lefebvre fears that gender disorder may have become fashionable. He said psychological diagnosis are matters of opinion. We have to be sure we're treating the child rather than a psychological issue of a pushy parent. Exactly. Just because, I mean, I don't believe, just my opinion, of course, that, um, you know, just because a kid wants to play with dolls, it makes them transgender. I mean, I don't quite understand, I mean, how these kids are being born. You know, so they might sort of want to dress up and put makeup on and all that kind of thing. But that's, you know, that's like the phase, isn't it? That could be a phase that somebody's going through. But unfortunately, they've already started having this kind of treatment, so it's being ingrained in them. Oh, yes, so it was a boy, uh, but really a girl. Was a girl, now really a boy. And all because of the toys that they played with. Good God in heaven, I'm so glad it wasn't around when I was around. Uh, because I don't, I can't remember what I played with. I mean, I think I did the normal boys' things. But then, you know, if, if you don't actually play football, does that all of a sudden mean that you're going to be gay? Or if you sort of start thinking, oh, I want to be a hairdresser, does that mean you're gay or a ballet dancer? You know, there's going to be certain jobs now, aren't there? Where they're going to start sort of saying, oh, I think that could be gender reassignment. And just because somebody, you know, is actually sort of playing with, with different toys. I don't think there's anything the matter with kids playing with different toys, is there? Boys can play with dolls. Girls can play with footballs. They dress up in, you know, just because little girls play football wearing shorts and a, and a T-shirt with the name of the football. Does that mean that they want to really be boys? Not really. Prince Charles had his uh, little Prince's Trust thing the other day. That's where he entices, sorry, offers um, people in the media who want to sort of brown nose the royal family. And so you've got Anton Deck and Rita Ora and all sorts of people. And uh, and they sort of pack out and it's all it's all sponsored. And Prince Charles spends most of his time playing with his cuffs because he doesn't know what to do with his hands 90 percent of the time. And uh, they do this in I wonder which theatre is that he meets Anton Deck and, you know, very nice to meet you. And so it's all the people that, you know, he wants to hang around with because that makes him in touch. So they think. But then the picture on the front of the sun today, uh, he didn't go to a best friend's wedding the other day. He didn't do if he had. He hasn't done very much at all recently. But Prince William has uh, responded to accusations that he's work shy. They're going off on a luxury ski trip with the wife. And so they release official pictures of him and the kids on holiday. Well, this certainly isn't going to ingratiate him to the British public. They're still going to say that he's work shy. And, uh, you know, there's been a barrage of complaints in the newspapers. I mean, not that it makes any difference. I mean, to be brutally honest with you, I couldn't care less what they do. But don't try and flog it to us like, you know, this is them off on a family holiday. And so we have thousands of pictures taken and then they quickly go through them and they sort out the one that they're going to, you know, it's the royal family on holiday. I'd quite like to see Prince William doing a job, but I thought that's what he was doing. But he's as work shy as Prince Harry and uh, Prince Andrew's girls. 
who seem to be bone idle. I've never met such a bone idle group of people. It's very difficult, isn't it? You know, and so he can do this. But it's, but, but they say, I mean, you know, you, you can tell that it's all PR puff because they tell you what his uh, jacket costs. Uh, they tell you what his snowsuit costs. They tell you, you know, everything, how much the kids' boots cost, everything. Everything. So it's PR puff. They go, oh, he's actually being quite frugal. I couldn't care less. I'm not interested in them going on. Why would I be interested in two people and two kids that I do not know going on holiday? I don't care. And I think the rest of the public think the same. Windsor Wonderland, they say here. A hush-hush family ski trip. Will he be back in time for his other best friend's wedding? Probably not. He just doesn't seem to want to do anything, does he, really? They say they're grooming him to be king. I don't know why. Why would they bother with that? They've got his father to get through yet, so he shows no sign of slowing down. So it's, uh, it's a load of old tooey, isn't it, really? Uh, more pictures of refugees fighting. They don't seem to like each other, refugees, do they? But there again, I don't think we want them either, if they're just going to fight. We definitely... There was some bloke the other day, he, um, he raped a girl. And he said because of Somalian culture, he wasn't aware of what you can do and what you can't do. <laughs> yeah, right. God, it gets worse and worse, doesn't it, really? It gets worse and worse and worse. And um, and uh, there's another one here, which is uh, a woman who was killed because she flogged her hubby's Elvis gig tickets. Not not the Elvis, it was a tribute act. A tribute... I mean, I can't believe it. It's ridiculous. And uh, Stephen Hawking has found the time and space to play a supervillain for a TV car ad. He, uh, his physicist, the 74-year-old physicist, announced yesterday that his baddie role was the culmination of a long-held dream. And uh, so he was driving a, a new car, uh, which is great. He has previously appeared in, the star, in Star Trek and The Simpsons. I didn't know that. Good Lord, honestly. I don't know why I, I'm, I'm bothered with Stephen Hawking. I, don't, I really don't know why I'm bothered. I know nothing about physicists. You know, somebody can explain how the universe was created till the cows come home and it still wouldn't make any, uh, make any difference to me. Uh, also, Taylor Swift and Calvin Harris celebrating their first year together. Well, thank God for that. Thank God for that. But Good Tremaritans is the story of a racist lout. And uh, they're asking who he is. Oh dear, you'll you'll begin to regret, Sunshine, the fact that you were ever on a tram being revolting about people because now there's a very clear picture of you. They'll be phoning the papers in their droves and by tomorrow your name will be spread over the papers as a racist. It's as simple as that. And so he rants at this foreign couple on the train and then fellow passengers shut him up. He'd snarled, speak English and go back to your own country. They were Spanish. They were talking in Spanish. Not that he probably realised that. So, um... Anyway, a man bravely stood up for the Spanish-speaking pair, only for the racist to sneer. Are you English? Are you gay? A second man then intervenes. He threatens to call the police and tells the thug it's unacceptable in this country and in this day and age. I think everybody else on this tram would agree it is not on. The yob says nothing for the rest of his journey. Uh, on the Metro Link in Manchester, Jose, a Peruvian student who filmed it, said the reaction from the people was amazing. The Spanish guy said no one uh, would have bothered to help us than in any other country but Britain. So they've got a nice picture of the internet, sorry, of the uh, of the tram racist. And as I say, by uh, probably now, already people who picked up the paper are going, I know exactly who that is. They'll have him nailed and banged to rights. And they'll go round and they'll doorstep him. And uh, the company he works for, because he must have a job, or he might not have a job, I don't know, uh, will probably get rid of him, because you don't want people like that. Can you imagine actually sitting on a train and going, speak English, what country are you from? And you think, and luckily all these people stood up. 
And then because one bloke stands up, he goes, are you gay? Well, that's got to do with it. So he's obviously thick as well as stupid. Coming up to the news at five o'clock, I'm Steve Allen. It's Tuesday, the 8th of March. Lobsters, lobsters, get your lobsters. £2.99. Wake up. Being sleepy makes you look stupid. Wills and Kate slope off again. Getting a bit bored with them now. Do you know, one time I was their biggest fan. I've kind of turned everything around, I'm afraid. Uh, The Met's advice for blobby bobbies. You try saying it at this time. Try snowball fights and window cleaning. What? The Hatton Hatton Garden mastermind of that jewel robbery has only months to live. So uh, that's something not really to worry about. Pip Schofield signs a £2 million contract. You've got that ridiculous uh, hypnotism programme back on again. Gosh, truth. A bit bored with it already, thank you. News is next. A a chat. You turned the mic off, didn't you? (laughs) It was going so well, I was chatting to a friend of mine who's going to Hong Kong. I said, when are you going to Hong Kong? He said, today. I'd really? I'd love to go to Hong Kong today. Imagine, oh dear, what a lovely, lovely thought. What a lovely, lovely thought. Quite like that. Uh, I'm in, normally, says Mike, asleep at this time. <laughs> he said, but I'm in bed with a streamer. Everybody's got colds, except me. Except me. He says, uh, I'm sipping a lem sip. Oh dear, blackcurrant flavour. Do they do blackcurrant flavour lem sip? Actually, I quite like blackcurrant. Blackcurrant's supposed to be very good for you. I used to think that perhaps I could sort of get into Ribena, but I like cold drinks. So if I was going to have one, they, I was watching a programme the other day and it was a simple little programme. It it's a couple and they've obviously bought a rundown farm and uh, she's just about to give birth to their first child. Uh, and they've got an old pump working and they're living off the land as much as they can. And it's such a nice little programme. There's nothing flash about it. It's just, you know, a couple, and he's explaining that we're we're sort of putting in vegetables, and it's all doing well, but we're fighting the slugs, and we've got this. And it's it's filmed quite nicely. And so I was watching that the other day, and he was talking about repairing this pump, because they've got a well. Uh, And the the original owner of the property said it goes down about 20 feet, uh, and they get clear water out of it, drinking water. And the house is a bit of a wreck, but I could live in it because I've, I've lived in a house like that. When we lived in Yorkshire, long, 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 long time ago, when I was uh, when I were a wee lad, well, 15, um, and we had a beautiful house. Well, I thought it was beautiful because kids just like houses that, you know, we, we, we weren't into flashy things. We had a settee and we had a kitchen uh, and we had a toilet. But for the life of me, I can't remember where it was. I have a feeling it was outside in the garden. I have a feeling we didn't have an inside toilet. It was very rustic, but we didn't. as kids, you didn't care. Just in the middle of the winter, you, you were in and out fairly quickly. You didn't hang around. And we had a coal scuttle, uh, and we had coal delivered, and we had a Rayburn and everything else, and it was lovely. So in the winter, it was bleak. And I can still, in my mind, I've told you before, see myself walking down this road. I had to walk for about a mile to hit the main road where the school bus would pick you up. So you left in plenty of time and you'd be frozen. But when you got there and you'd crunch, you'd be in your Wellingtons and it'd be early in the morning. The sun hadn't quite come up and you'd be crunching your way down this road. And I can picture the road now and I'd love to go back there. I keep saying I must go back, I must go back just to, uh, to see what it looks like because I should imagine it's all probably built up by now and see what our house was like. And um, we had a front parlour and a place where we had dinner but I can't remember eating in it. And then we had bedrooms with a playroom off the bedroom. I shared a bedroom with my brother and then my parents had a bedroom and then upstairs there were bedrooms in the eaves which would have been, presumably, in the early days when it was built for, uh, for servants. Uh, and we had a smuggler's tunnel under our stairs but it was bricked up and you could follow it to the coast. So it was bricked up under our stairs. You could go down a little way and then it was bricked. I'd love to have opened it all up again. 
and gone down there. And that's what smugglers did. They used to come in from the coast. We were very close. And, uh, and I absolutely loved it. So when I watched this uh, programme about this couple doing the farming, it did not bring back some memories. And uh, they're out there, and then he was cutting it, and he's got this old Victorian thing. I mean, it's just, just a very, you know, interesting programme, almost like The Good Life, where people want to go, listen, we just want to give up everything and just go and live in the countryside. Unfortunately, you live in the countryside now, and you're kind of being overtaken by townies. People who come out there, and they go, oh, it's very nice here, live in this little village. Hello, hello, we are from London. Yeah, the local. We met local people today. It was fabulous. They're really very salt of the earth. They really are salt of the earth. You think, but if you live in some of these little villages in Yorkshire, it's not uncommon to see cows walking around some of the some of the little back roads. And if you're sitting in a car or your bicycle, you just got to wait till they go past. And we used to live in a, a little village which had two farms. So as kids, we were able to go and play in the farms. Nobody ever told us off. We never got told off, and yet we would sort of, you know, wreck hay bales. We used to climb up into the, into the top of the... I mean, honestly, when I look at it now, we, the health and safety would have had a field day. Seriously, field day, because we were, we were making dens out of the hay bales. Just lovely, just lovely. You know, you're on your bikes, and none of the farmers ever complained about us. We would go and play in the fields. We never worried about cows or anything like that at all. So, uh, anyway, so, yeah, just going back to the story before the news about the, uh, the, uh, the, the troll on the tram in Manchester. He's going to turn out to be a member of some far-right organisation. You could just tell by looking at him. Actually, he looks vaguely like Bob Crow, but, of course, it can't be Bob Crow because he's dead. But uh, it's, it's very interesting. That, uh, that people actually stood up to him, stood up to him. The troll, anyway, then went very quiet because he obviously suddenly realised he was being filmed. He probably didn't realise that all the other stuff was being filmed as well. So, as I say, I should imagine the Sun will have a name, at least, well, you know, if they've not had people phoning them by now, saying, oh, yes, he's well known for that kind of thing. Because you just don't rant at people on the tram, do you? Do you really do that? Although we have seen other, other incidents uh, of people shouting obscenities at people and attacking people. There were two guys the other day attacked a load of customers in a chicken shop. And you look at them and you think they only look about 16, 17. Why would you want to write your life off at the age of 16, 17? Unless you're a simpleton. Which, of course, is my uh, my favourite word, as you now know. We used it yesterday and, uh, and it works very, very well. Uh, another one here, Ben says, It always amazes me how anybody under 21 can feel transgender. Well, they do. They do. I mean, I, d- I, don't, I don't know how it works, because unless you're transgender, how would you realise? How would you know? You wouldn't know. It, it's not like, you know, you're, you're dressing up in drag. It's not like doing drag or anything like that. This is, this is people. And it's children. I mean, a thousand percent increase in the number of people under a certain age who now think that they're transgender. And you think, that's what I say. I'm wondering if in a few years' time, when these people grow up, they're all of a sudden going to go, oh, uh, I don't think I am. And you're going to go, Oh, right. But you thought you were. But then, of course, everybody changes, don't they? When you're when you're eight, you're thinking completely differently. I mean, we didn't know anything about sex at all when we were eight. I don't think we knew about it when we were 12 either. We, we, We came from a different generation. Nobody ever talked about it. The only thing I had at school was sort of sex education to do with plants. Sticky stigmas and stamens and stuff like that. For years, I couldn't walk past a florist without feeling a certain stirring. You know, I used to sort of worry about it, but we never had anything to do with the human body. In fact, everybody, we'd have laughed if we'd have had a human body thing. I don't think it was till 14 my father gave me a book on sex education, by which time I had a rough idea what was going on. Didn't want to know too much about it. Thought far, far too uninteresting. But uh, how do they know at five, Steve? I don't know. I, don't, I mean, I can't answer the question for you. I don't know. They obviously do. They have to go and be assessed by psychiatrists. 
But I don't, I don't know. I mean, would you ask a five-year-old about sex and stuff like that? Do they, do they understand exactly what transgender is? You know, and if you say, I mean, surely there must be ways you could, you could phrase questions that would get the answers that you desire. You know, do you like playing with, with dolls? Yeah. Why not? You know, think he's, oh, well, that obviously means you're transgender. But there must be some sort of process, mustn't there, that you go through. So they have to check. You can't make a mistake. And I think you have to, to live as a person for a number of years. I'm not, I mean, I don't, I don't think that you can start sort of lopping bits off here, there and everywhere. I don't think that works, does it? And you certainly can't give sort of eight and nine-year-olds hormone pills or tablets. I don't think that would work. So it's, it's, a bit, it's a bit difficult, isn't it? You don't really know where you are. You're sort of twixt devil and the, and the deep blue sea. Uh, Steve, I can't sleep. And I thought, oh, what time is it? Oh, it's four o'clock. Steve Allen's on the radio, so that's OK. So Tracy says, uh, you definitely get my vote. Oh, I know. I, I need loads. I need loads. Um, another one here. It says, uh, I see James Lockie. James Lockie Lock from Towie has opened up a deli counter called Lockie's Kitchen in Romford. They all open these things up and uh, and then they sort of, you know, they sort of open it and they go, oh, he's off the television. And of course, they get this false thing. Uh, some old woman was uh, appeared to be opening it. Later found it. it was Debbie Douglas, Lydia Dim's mother and Dan Osborne. Ugh. Oh, Chris in Brentwood, thank you. Yes, Dan Osborne, that nasty little thug. Horrible person, don't like him at all. God, the things he was saying to his ex-girlfriend, really horrid. And Lydia Dim's mother, oh, blimey, honestly. These people must live in cloud cuckoo land. They need to pension that programme off. We've had enough of it now. I noticed, actually, that poor old Keith Lemon's dreadful uh, show, which they must be wasting a fortune on, can only make it to ITV2. But there again, he is just unfunny. I mean, I've never seen anybody who is so unfunny and so deeply disturbed. Perhaps he needs to get some sort of some sort of treatment or something for it, because, I mean, it's just not funny. It's just really, really terrible. Uh, Leanne Payne isn't the only member of One Direction taking the fancy of a famous female. Niall Horan has sparked speculation. He's back on the dating scene. Is that after weeing in the car park, Niall? Is that, up? <laughs> is that after weeing in the car park? Uh, Leanne Payne, as I say, have you ever heard him speak? No, we're not totally convinced he's actually got a voice. We're not totally convinced that he can speak. We don't think so. <laughs> and who's the five foot four inch actor who's the biggest thing on the telly? It is Tom Hollander. Tom Hollander, currently wowing audiences in The Night Manager and ITV's Dr. Thorne. He's five foot four. There's <laughs> probably a joke there somewhere, which I can't do at this time of the morning, but it doesn't really matter, does it? Uh, Daily Star. Again, they're all doing, you know, Wills and Kate sloping off again on holiday. Who cares? I mean, I'm, you know, if, if, if they want to do it secretly, do it secretly. But don't release the pictures. We're not interested. Seriously, if you did a survey on the British public, they'll be losing interest in this couple. Really. So they're going on holiday. What, what does he do for a living? Oh, he flies a helicopter. When? Oh, the last time was ages ago. What does Harry do? Well, he props up bars. In fact, I believe a royal bodyguard has just spilt the beans on exactly what Harry does. And it turns out he eats KFC and goes to bars. And that's it. They don't, they're just getting lazier and lazier, this younger generation. And uh, Kim Kardashian sent the internet into meltdown with a steamy, naked self... Sorry, I felt quite sick then, actually. Uh, Kim Kardashian. Who on earth would want to see her naked? Is this sort of some child's fantasy or something? But apparently she, uh, she had uh, done a, a monster joke to shocked fans that she simply had nothing to wear... God, I'm surprised. Thank God we don't get it from Victoria Beckham. Thank God. Oh, can you imagine? Victoria Beckham bears all. Please don't. Please don't. Please don't. And Simon Cowell is being tormented by children's favourite, 
Dora the Explorer. Apparently Eric, his son, demands that his dad continue to play the Spanish cartoon adventures. He's two years old and he, um, and he demands. Don't believe a word of it. What a load of old PR puff, isn't it? It's uh, 5.15. Nick Ferrari today. Turkey says letting it join the EU would help solve the refugee crisis. If Turkey offered to hold migrants at the border, would you support them joining the EU? An aide to Sadiq Khan resigns after saying Lee Rigby's killing was faked. My dear Lord. Should the Labour mayoral candidate go too? Tennis star and former world number one Maria Sharapova fails a drugs test at the Aussie Open. And women are being urged to share the location of sex assaults to create a harassment map of London. Will this keep people safe? Or just scaremonger. That's Nick of the team today from seven. After the morning news with Lisa Aziz, Rupert Myers, barrister, commentator and pundit. Looking at the papers for today. Listening to us in uh, Tokyo is Troy. Apparently it's sunny in Tokyo at the moment. I've never expressed a desire to go to Tokyo. But strangely enough, I watched um, um, Ellen DeGeneres' show yesterday. And she had um, a guy who I think was autistic on there who'd been given a job in a in a restaurant and he was doing really really well and it was his ultimate dream to go to japan and so she presented him with tickets i thought he was going to explode seriously he was so happy so so happy which is uh, which is you know really nice actually and uh, here's a man whose uh, whose passion is golf his name is uh, paul uh, he's a gooner as well, from Paddock Wood. God, that'll be two people in Paddock Wood we know as well, which is quite nice. And a lot of people retweeting my picture on Twitter. And Sophie says, I'm up with our new five-week-old baby. So glad you're here to help keep me awake until she settles. It's dreadful at this time of the morning, isn't it? It is absolutely dreadful. I mean, I feel so sorry for new mothers who go, I want to sleep. I so want to sleep. And you think, I mean, I was always told a bit of night nurse in the final feed sends them off for ages and ages. <laughs> which is uh, which is quite nice. And uh, what else do we have today? I'm just having a quick check on uh, on some of our other texts and emails. Um, I think sure, someone like William should give up some of his time free to do an ambulance, says Judy. Well, he's supposed to be already. I just don't know when he's, uh, when he's doing it. Graham says, when I was younger, if a girl played football or with cars, they were just known as a tomboy. Didn't expect him to go to the doctors for a consultation for gender reassignment. Yes, it's, it's the way it goes, isn't it? It, it, just, it seems to have changed. If the NHS have says it's up a thousand percent, a thousand percent. David Beckham went through it, didn't he? Remember he wore a sarong once. But there again, you know, we were never led to believe that David's supposed to be the most intelligent person on the planet. And uh, Mike says, Steve... No trip to Hong Kong would be complete without a ride across the harbour on the Star Ferry. Yes, it's pulled. It's on chains, isn't it, the Star Ferry? We used to do it years ago over to Kowloon. And uh, I can remember going on it. And if you get that film, uh, my friend Michael will appreciate this. For goodness sake, the world of Susie Wong. Uh, she's, she starts off on the Star Ferry coming over from, uh, from Kowloon. And uh, did I bring back memories? I mean, it's, it, you should, if you get the opportunity to go, if you can afford to go to Hong Kong, then I don't think you'll be disappointed. The uh, the sights and the sounds of the mystical East are, uh, are well worth it. And the smells as well and the, the markets. And it's just it's just it's just lovely, actually. Uh, what you say about uh, the kids worries most psychiatrists, says Graham. I'm not at all surprised, actually. It is odd, isn't it, though, that they've gone mad for gender reassignment because they're playing with different toys. 
And that's, and that's all it is. I mean, God help you if your child starts playing with a doll and somebody goes, oh, your, your, your child at school has been playing with dolls. Yeah, it's, just a, it's a toy. They, they don't know what things are at that age, do they? They really don't. Um, I like that picture of me this morning, actually. I think it's a good picture that I've tweeted. Very good. And Fat then repeated it. Uh, LBC was asking earlier on whether or not there should be a drink fly limit. This is after 25 passengers were kicked off a flight because they were drunk. I mean, how on earth you can seriously explain... I mean, uh, complete idiots, obviously. Complete idiots. And uh, and people who can't sort of handle alcohol. I mean, I think they should just ban it full stop. Do you not think banning it from um, from sort of airlines would make a difference? Do you not think so? I think it would. I think it would, actually. I don't, why, why do you have to sit on a... Pl- the, my, my friend Graham would go mental on that one. He couldn't, he, he couldn't cross the Atlantic without sitting in the bar. He would, he, would never, uh, he would never get there. Glennis says, thank goodness somebody else feels the same as me about that idiot Keith, Keith Lemon. Oh, well, listen, I mean, I don't know what the audience is, but I should imagine very small. He's just not funny. It's just not funny. You know, nothing worse you can say about somebody who spends a fortune, and they must spend a fortune on that programme. I don't know why. It's not funny. It's not interesting. It's not funny. It's just low-level smut. But uh, terrible. Uh, loved the, uh, the Ranulph Fiennes interview and the 15 Cats. Just voted for you, says Ray and Birmingham, for you and Lynn Bowles. Good Lord. Not sure I want to share things with Lynn Bowles, but uh, we have done in the past. She'll tell you that. We go back uh, many, many years. Many, many years. Uh, more of your texts and emails. Try and get a few more in here. Young, uh, young Anna says, uh, she says, a few days ago, you mentioned that in view of the cold weather, you might invest in a woolly hat. What about a trilby? Would definitely give you an air of distinction. I've drawn a picture, but I'm much too much of a numpty to know how to send it all. <laughs> to you. <laughs> don't send me a picture of me in a trilby. I don't know, actually. I thought about uh, getting a hat. But uh, looking at the picture of me on Twitter this morning, I think I look quite good looking, actually. One of those red... Somebody said to me the other day, I did laugh, they said, have you lost weight? I said, now you're taking the... And, uh, and I didn't go any further. I said, I don't think so, but I wish I had. I wish I had. We used to eat crisps in the morning, producer and I, Will. We used to eat... The... They weren't crisps, they're like chips. And we used to like those as well. And then uh, young boy doing travel, he used to like uh, Watsits as well. Chris used to get very into, into Watsits and stuff like that. And I've, I've sort of held back recently. We might have some on Fridays, last day. We might celebrate with sort of a packet of these. He, he could eat loads of packets. You could just bring in tons of them for him. It'd be better if I got him a gift voucher from Iceland so he could go in and get quite a few. Uh, eight for eight five oh. A racist on the train shouting at the foreign gentleman, why don't you go home? Why don't you go home? To which the foreign gentleman said, I am. That's why I'm on the train. Although my favourite one was Lenny Henry. He said, um, he said, we've all been offered £100 to go home. He said, that's fine. He said, I only live in Birmingham. <laughs> Enoch Powell said that. They were trying to sort of get people to go home. Uh, John says, uh, come and have lunch in Hong Kong with your fan club. You're a greatest lunchtime listening or how about afternoon tea at the peninsula that's the one with the with the cars isn't it so john's over there as well so john's in hong kong expect a load of um, a load of people to descend on you from one of our sister stations paul says i'm convinced i'm a lesbian because i love women oh i think you're probably due for gender reassignment then aren't you on that one i mean that mu- that must qualify you i don't know how they how they qualify for things like that i really don't it's all very odd all very odd pauline says you're right about parents my dad passed away Saturday, unexpected, good innings, 85. Family's main concern is getting mum through the next few months. They were devoted. Going to be a bit tough. Loved his musicals in Hollywood, so I hope he's on the cloud with his favourite actors and singers. Yeah, it's, I mean, 85, you're quite right. It's a good innings, but it doesn't matter, does it? 
It's not, it's not a case of it's a good innings. It's a case of they're not with you anymore. And worse for the person who's left behind, if you've been with somebody for such a long... My mother was just terrible after my dad died. You know, she would she would just have these terrible crying fits. And somebody said to me, but that's that's quite normal. You know, I'd be in the middle of a phone call. All of a sudden, she'd just break down. I think because all of a sudden, it just came back. And it was a case of somebody you'd been with for a long, long time all of a sudden wasn't there anymore. And that, that, was, the, that was the difficulty. And that's when she started listening to LBC. LBC got her through a really tricky period. So she used to make sure that every weekend she went away. So she wasn't sitting there. If she was at work, she was fine. And, uh, and she was fine. She worked for the, uh, for the Metropolitan Police. And she was very happy doing that. But it was the weekend, so she made sure that every weekend she got out and she went away. Not possible for everybody to do that, but she, she used to foist herself on, uh, on relatives and her sisters and brothers and things like that. I think they'd phone up and go, you all right? You know, and, and she'd say, yeah, I'll, I'll be around this weekend. And off she toddled. She was quite happy, quite happy. Another picture of the attention-seeking and very dreary and very boring Mac- Millie Macintosh. Apparently, for Women's Health magazine, she's stripped off. God, dear. This is what airbrushing looks like. And when you realise she's so dull and boring, she couldn't even hang on to Professor Green. But there again, they never had anything in common, did they? And so she's showing... They always say this, don't they? Do you ever understand this? They go, she's showing Professor Green what he's missing. He knows what he's missing. He slept with her. Of course he knows what he's... But why do they put these stupid things in here? It's ridiculous. And she's revealed how exercise has saved her from the stress of their breakup. Yeah, she looks stressed, doesn't she? She was out the following night. No stress at all. It's just a load of old hooey, ladies and gentlemen. A uh, lot on um, Alex braving the waves. This is uh, the one show... Pres- I say, I, I use the term loosely presenter because she's dreadful on it. Alex Jones, they're trying her on everything. Let's get her to do something for charity. God's sake, give her something for charity. Perhaps she can do that better. So they stuck her on Lorraine the other day. I'm totally convinced that Lorraine is, in fact, dead. I'm totally convinced she's an automaton. Because she said, oh, that's great. Oh, that's wonderful. That's, I'm convinced that she's, she's switched off. I'm totally convinced. Everything she does, whether it's clothing, food, pictures, anything, it's all beautiful. It's gorgeous. It's marvellous. You're wonderful. Oh, I like that. Oh, mm, oh that'd be nice, wouldn't it? That'd be, and I'm convinced she's in a dream. <laughs> you watch her. You watch her when she, when she does any of her stuff. And it, it is slightly confusing that she sort of does all this stuff about, you know, and, and, and so they start cooking food. Oh, that's lovely. Oh, that's beautiful. Oh, oh, I like that. And you can tell she doesn't eat anything at all. She's like Victoria. Victoria Beckham, I should imagine, sort of moves a lettuce leaf around all over the plate. What have we got on uh, front cover of OK magazine? From Emmerdale, Charlie Webb and Matthew Wolfenden. Who? No, I don't know who they are either. You also get uh, you get the celebrity heartbreak, Stephanie the Drunk Davis, Natasha Hamilton revealing she split from Richie Neville, which, of course, we predicted when they first started going out. They don't last five minutes, these things. Uh, over in Towie, they've got all the, the usual suspects, all the useless people. Uh, they've got sort of Bobby Cole Norris, one of the most unattractive people you'd ever find anywhere at all. An embarrassment to Essex, as far as I can see. Uh, and then they've got a picture of uh, Danny Armstrong. As I say, when you see these people and they're just out... I mean, you don't see them in Brentwood during the daytime. I think they only come out at night because people had suddenly realised how dreadful they look. Anyway, news time, LBC, 5.30, the latest... Steve Allen, tweet at LBC. Morning, everybody. 27 minutes to six. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Can't be lying in bed, can you? In the shower, go, do it as quick as possible. Turn the shower off, get out of the shower, towel dry yourself. Don't forget, clean your teeth, do your hair. Well, not in my case. And, um, and then get yourself ready and toddle off to the station as quick as possible. Because come six o'clock, 
The trains are going to be heaving, as you know. You're probably not going to find a seat. Why don't you just develop a limp? Develop a limp, somebody will offer you a seat somewhere. Hopefully. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? But uh, you'll have to go into town packed. Oh, be ghastly. Ghastly and horrible. Anyway, uh, so Towie's back. They're doing a special episode where they're going to sort of reunite some of the old cast members. But, of course, most of them are fairly old now. But they've done a list of the uh, the ones who spend most of their time crying in the series and how many times they have cried. Uh, down at uh, at the bottom of the list is Bobby Norris, the unattractive one in there, the one who is just so pathetically useless. It's almost an embarrassment to see him on there. I don't know why he even bothers. He did have a relationship one time. It lasted... Oh, about as quick as that. It was all embarrassing. It was with the awful Harry Durbridge. Uh, anyway, Bobby Norris, eight times he's cried on the programme. Big girl's blouse, isn't he? And Ricky Raymond. Unfortunately, Ricky will now have to be associated with him, which is a bit of a shame. Lauren Goodger, nine times. But then, mainly, I should imagine, every time she looked in the mirror, she probably burst into tears. Uh, Lauren Poppy... Chloe Sims and Joey Essex, 12 and 11 times they burst into tears. It's a bit sad, really, isn't it, when you think the whole thing is staged and they still cry. Uh, Fern McCann, 18 times she's burst into tears. 18 times. What a, have you heard the voice? It's like listening to a bloke. Seriously, she cut all our air. Awful. Gemma Collins, 19 times. Again, every time she looks in the mirror, she probably bursts into tears and goes, I'm never going to find another drug dealer ever again to sleep with me. That must be a nightmare. Lydia Dim, 23 times. Poor soul, honestly. What a waste of space. Danny Armstrong, Lucy Mecklenburg. Lucy Mecklenburg, I thought she'd be top of the list, actually. She spent most of the first uh, series when it started crying. She was just a waste of space. Uh, and number one, the person who's cried the most, and it's a, it's a big gap from the person at the bottom who's cried eight times, 31 times for Jess Wright, who's the biggest drip we've ever seen. She's also the dullest person on the programme. I think they need to get rid of her. I mean, she's served no useful purpose. She goes out, we see a few pictures of her dragging herself into a nightclub with a few of the other old dogs from the programme. But to be honest with you, we don't need to watch it anymore. I mean, I don't know what it does. It's all staged. We know how the, how the programme works. I just, I've just had enough of it now. I'm sort of, I'm sort of, I'm not, I'm not interested. Uh, I don't, I don't want to be interested, actually. Uh, Steve, why do the Beeb take us for mugs? Says Paul, the one show boat trip is so perilous that Alex still wears full makeup and false eyelashes whilst doing her live piece to camera. It's a bit of a farce. Well, of course, I mean, they're, 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 I think anything to keep her away from the studio, to be honest with you. <laughs> keep her away from the television. No, she's awful. She's killing the ratings. I mean, the programme is dire. It really is. It's just, it just doesn't work. She's got no personality. She can't interview. It's just There's no warmth. There's no nothing that comes out of it at all. Uh, Noreen loved Hong Kong. We were there in the 90s. We went to see the bootleg Pe- Beatles the other night. Really amazing. Aren't they brilliant? Aren't they brilliant? A friend of mine runs the bootleg Beatles. Very good. After our manic 60s weekend, we need a, a few days rest. But I love the photos. Good photo this morning. I think it's a really... The more I keep looking at it, the more I keep thinking. I think we might use that for my one on the... Uh, I quite like that, actually. I think that's a really good picture. God, I'm cuter than I thought. <laughs> he says, talking to himself. I want, you, don't, you don't have to agree or disagree on these sort of things. It's just me. Uh, even uh, Avi says, looking rather sultry. Troy says, great to hear my name. Japan is amazing, but I do love Hong Kong. Yeah, I mean, I've, because I've never been to Japan, I can only remember Hong Kong from what it uh, was. And Dave uh, Brown says, of course, it uh, now belongs to China. I want to go in China. I want to go. I've seen some of the programs. There's one on the television at the moment, which is um, 
looking inside China. There's been a couple of programmes on China. Fascinating place to go inside and see real people. You know, I want to go to the Forbidden City. I do want to go. I mean, if if there's certain things I want to do, the Forbidden City would be one of them. That would be a really nice thing. I'd like to go there every day and just have a look around and believe that, you know, people died inside that building. If ever you get a documentary, there's there's one out on DVD, and it's called The Forbidden City, surprisingly, and it shows you what went on, and the concubines who all killed themselves, uh, the secret tunnels that run under it, which you'll never see, the private zoo that was at the back and where all the... uh, all the concubines stayed and, uh, and all the other people who had to service the emperor. Uh, you, you see bits of it uh, when you watch the film The Last Emperor. And that, that's, that's quite something. You're looking at something quite, quite generational and quite wonderful and so immense and so big and so fantastic. Uh, 84850. Why do people think it's offensive, says Mark, to give people compliments? Yeah, we were running a clip on the news of somebody saying she thought it was offensive that somebody said she looked nice. And don't you remember, we had that lawyer who somebody said she looked nice and she took great umbrage at that. I mean, to be honest with you, I wouldn't have said the same because I've seen her in the building and uh, she wasn't all that. But it's, you know, you look at people. If you think somebody looks nice, what's the matter with a compliment? You know, you look really nice today. Why would somebody take that as offensive? I'm sorry, I'm not coming on to you, dear. I'm just telling you you look nice, all right? God, blimey. Can't win, can you, really? And um, another one here. This is from uh, Michelle. Says, uh, I'm in Hong Kong. The best way to see it is to wander around the streets and get lost. I love living here. Yes, I mean, I, I, we enjoyed living there as well. We enjoyed living there. Uh, listening in the northwest of America, says Graham. My dad was a radio host, like yourself. That's what people call it, isn't it? They call, they call, in, in America, I think you call them radio hosts. Over here, we're just called presenters. And if you work on a music station, you're called a disc jockey. So uh, that's it. He says, uh, but thank you. He says, listening to talk shows is always a way to remember my dad. He says, thanks for being there in the early or late, in my case, hours and giving listeners somebody to listen to. Yes. Uh, don't forget, says uh, Melanda on Eel Pie Island, to record Happy Valley. You will love it. I voted for you. I'm a screen printer, so I've also printed a new sweatshirt to wear to ensure everybody in Twickenham does the same. <laughs> oh, Lord. It's taken a bit too far, isn't it? Just a little bit too far. And uh, somebody else talking about Keith Lemon. Un, unfunny. Uh, Malcolm says, Emmerdale. Charlie Webb plays Debbie Dingle and Matt Wolfenden plays Eric Pollard's son. None the wiser. None the wiser. And uh, talk about Bobby. Uh, in Towie. Do you see that horrendous picture of him in a, man- in a mankini? I just think he's an embarrassment, I'm afraid. Nothing more than you could say about him. It's just an embarrassment. A total embarrassment. Ridiculous. Uh, Michelle says, I've often wondered if Lorraine Kelly was a robot. I mean, it is odd, isn't it? Kevin the Milkman says, I passed my mum her copy of Woman's Realm in 1975. Do you think it's gender reassignment now? Well, I think you're practically there. I used to love that about Woman's Realm. Wasn't it um, Cosmopolitan told women how to have an orgasm, but Woman's Realm told you how to knit one, which always kind of summed up the, the gap between the magazines now. We didn't have anything like that when I was younger. And, uh, seriously, well, I don't remember any of those sort of magazines. The only magazine we actually had was Playtime, and I think there was a hare in it who liked jam, Hartley hair or something, and there was one called Bunty for girls, and you used to get free gifts Free gifts. There was one which was my favourite gift, which used to come with a comic, and we weren't really allowed comics. So it had to be fairly educational in our family. My mother didn't approve of comics at all. My uh, cousins, Stephen and Martin, 
used to get all the American magazines, and I never, I never understood those at all. You know, Dan Dare, Pilot of the Future, and all that kind of stuff. But uh, I remember in, in Playtime magazine, you got this butterfly. And all it was was sort of a piece of cardboard and an elastic band, and you wound it up, and then you put it in the pages of a book. And when they opened it, it went and shot out the book and frightened people. Used to get all those jokes. Remember years ago, you'd go into the toy shop and there'd be a stand from Ellisdon's and they'd do blackface soap, hot sweets, all sorts of interesting things. And my favourite was a bird warbler. <laughs> Imitate birds. So you'd, you'd apparently put it under your tongue. I swallowed the first one. I swallowed the first... Seriously, I mean, for about the first week I was going around, every time I opened my mouth, it was like that. It was awful. Attracting nothing at all. And then they had another thing for a ventriloquist. And so you could put it in your mouth. Apparently, oh, well, I never learned how to use that one at all. But the, the blackface soap we got, and the chewing gum. Do you remember chewing gum? And you sort of, you pulled one out, and it snapped. Ellisdon's used to make all these lovely things in little packets, little jokes and tricks. You know, burnt finger, fake poo. Remember fake poo? Whoopee cushions. You can still get some of it. I don't know if it's made by Ellisdon's, but I remember. Uh, sort of thinking back and thinking, I remember going to our local toy shop and there'd be a stand and you'd whiz the stand round until you found something that uh, that you hadn't seen before. And it always came sealed, so you couldn't actually open it until you bought it. It was lovely. It was really lovely. Happy days there. Simple things, simple things when you're young. When you get a little bit older, it's not so, uh, not so, uh, not so easy, is it, really? Um, right, what we'll do... Let me just... Actually, I was going to pick another one of the papers this morning. I was going to pick uh, the Daily Mirror. The only reason being is that uh, Sharapova failing her drugs test. I mean, what an idiot. What an idiot. Uh, also, uh, Philip Schofield, now he's signed his £2 million deal with ITV, so you're going to get it for the next two years, which is no problem. I just wish that they'd drop most of the programmes he's on. And so he, his, his wife, she's jumped in on the bandwagon now, uh, wants him to be hypnotised to rid him of his obsessive tidying up in the home. Well, of course, it must be the biggest pile of rubbish we've ever heard. He can't be, ever be there. He's always filming TV shows. He seems to be permanently on the Cube, this award ceremony, this morning, when's he at home? When does he get home, dear? Do tell us, we're fascinated. But apparently, Philip says, in the kitchen I drive Steph mad, she's forever going, where's the pans? And I'll have put them in the sink before she's even used them. He said, I'm a very neat person, it's not OCD, but this dreadful programme, you're back in the room, is back on the television this Saturday. So, um, just when you thought it was safe, you've got him back again. It's either that or the Cube or various other things. It's just getting to the point of boredom. It's like they said the other day, what was the programme? They were doing something about country file. Are we going to pick well-known celebrities? They keep picking this bloke who's on everything. You know, I mean, I'm now bored. All I can tell you is he's got ginger hair, which is sort of curly, and he's a comedian, and he's slightly overweight. Not hugely overweight, just slightly overweight. But I don't know who he is. And every time they go, oh, look, so-and-so's back on the television, I go, oh, not again. Oh, dear. Uh, the mum ordered out of John Lewis because of her toddler's tantrum. When kids scream, they scream. Anyway, uh, John Lewis said, although our partner, they call them partner, they don't call them shop workers, uh, didn't escort Mrs Robinson out of the shop, he did ask her to leave in response to other customers' complaints. We're speaking to the partner about what happened and how we could have been more sympathetic to Mrs Robinson and her screaming baby. And that's all it comes down to. The manager's called to apologise and the store sent flowers. OK, end of story, dear. Now shut up. Goodness sake, honestly. She was told to leave it. She said it left her feeling like a rubbish mum. Oh, what a drama queen. Oh, I feel like a rubbish mum because my kid was screaming. Oh, grow up, for God's sake. It's dreadful. I mean, also, it's very annoying to people. Very annoying. Anyway, she dropped her key and rucksack. 
I was about to buy for Heidi, and this staff member escorted us out of the store. I said to my friend, did that really happen? She then made a formal complaint. And uh, she says here, um, I'm not interested in any voucher or money. My point is that when shops see a mother trying to deal with a child having a tantrum, they should cut them a bit of slack. They're shop workers, woman. They're shop workers. They sell goods. They're not social workers. Girls, truth. You should be looking after a kid. It's not up to the people in the shop. They're, they're, they're shop workers. Dear God in heaven, what do you expect? What do you expect from people? I've never anything like it. Goodness sake. I'm sorry. Bad enough having to deal with NAF customers without having to now be a social worker and, and a nanny and look after their blasted children as well. You do it. Your child. Stop making excuses. 14 to 6. Leading Britain's conversation. LBC with Steve Allen. Morning, everybody. Nice to have your company. Come on, come on. You're going to be late for the train, aren't you? Late for the train. A uh, bit of good news, bit of bad news, bit of semi-news, you know, and bit of, and somebody reminding me. He says, you must remember the Beano, the Dandy, and the more upmarket Eagle comics, as I was born in the same year as you, says Brian, the King's Mill driver. Actually, I remember them, but we never had them. We weren't allowed comics. John in Hendon says Dan Dare was in the Eagle, which was British, not American. You needed to get out more. Well, you see, well, I didn't know anything about comics. I, d- I really didn't, I didn't care. I just remembered names in there. But I sort of looked through them. I was, I was never into that kind of artwork. The only thing I used to like was that, what was that bubble, bazooka? Bazooka bubblegum. I, I love the smell of bazooka bubblegum. And the one thing, and nobody's ever remembered it with me. Nobody's ever remembered it with me. I remember doing it years ago. We went through phases. If, and in Bazooka Bubblegum, there would be a, a thing inside which you open up. It was waxed paper. And it would have adv- adverts for X-ray specs, see-through clothing and that kind of stuff. And, uh, and I always thought, I'd love a pair of X-ray glasses. So you could look at somebody and you can see right through their, their clothes. I thought I quite fancied that idea. And then somebody pointed out to me the error of my ways at the age of 14. And I thought maybe it wasn't such a good idea. And, uh, and the other thing we used to save is Confederate money. And it used to come flat. You, so you go into, and you can probably still get this kind of stuff, not that particular one, but you can probably get that similar stuff in the sweet shops. And, and you picked it up, and you'd open it, and there'd be a bit of flat chewing gum, which was a bit boring and dull. But there'd be Confederate money. And it would be half of a note. It was never a whole note. And so you'd, you'd go to school, and you'd go, listen, I've got three 100s, but I need, I need a 50. Has anyone got a 50? They can, and you'd swap, and then you'd make up your Confederate money. I don't, I mean, seriously, that's all I remember. I can't remember whether it was Confederate money chewing gum or anything else like that, but I remember we used to, I wish I'd saved it. I wish I'd saved stuff like that. It would be better. TV presenter Steve Jones. Apparently he's making a comeback. <laughs> exactly. They stopped using him. He was so useless. Apparently he's only 38. Oh, he's got to be 47 at least. Can't still be 38, can he? Anyway, he's going to come back as the co-host of Channel 4's Formula One coverage. Welshman Steve has largely stayed out of the limelight since he was axed back at the end of 2011. It was blooming awful. He was terrible. And today he's going to be named at Channel 4's official launch for its coverage of sport alongside David Coulthard. uh, An insider said... Steve hasn't hosted much sport before. He's hardly hosted anything, has he? But it's a re- he's a real petrol head and loves Formula One. What's the point of having him on Formula One? You've got to know about Formula One. As I say, he can't get arrested. He's dreadful. Dreadful. Steve has a lot of experience hosting live shows. So he could be the new Jake Humphrey. Oh, God. How desperate. What a sad, a sad height to achieve. The dizzying heights of Jake Humphrey. Good God. And so, because he's never presented any to his sport, but he's done live stuff before. Not for years. 
five years, he's done nothing at all. Nothing. Axed in America, wooden, they said. Wooden. And that was one of the compliments. Top iconic women. This is why there are stories about the Queen at the moment. Because topping the list of um, the world's most iconic women. At number ten. (laughs) Joan of Arc. Okay, make out your own jokes. Uh, Number nine, Margaret Thatcher. Big fan for a lot of uh, lot of people out there going, yo up, big up, Margaret Thatcher. Whatever it was, she certainly changed the face of politics. <coughs> Excuse me. Queen Elizabeth I at number eight. Marilyn Monroe, an iconic woman. Marilyn Monroe. Did naked shots early. Worst actress you've ever seen in your entire life. Nobody liked working with her. And she's an iconic woman. I wonder what makes an iconic woman. Marie Curie, well, I mean, you know, for the obvious reason... Uh, Queen Elizabeth II at number five. Florence Nightingale, a tramp, used to used to follow the army around everywhere. Oh, look, Florence is here. Oh, God, is she? With her little lamp. Mother Teresa. Does anybody ever know what she did apart from walk around wearing a tea towel on her head? Anybody ever understand what was about her? Apparently, she looked after everybody and she did this. But, I mean, you ask people. Have you heard of her? Yes. What did she do? No idea. Nobody knows. Uh, Emmeline Pankhurst at number two. That was the uh, votes for women. Votes for women. We're merely soldiers in petticoats. And a number one. Go on. You know. Who is the most iconic woman in the world? Princess Diana. Even after all these years. Even, what is it, 20 years since she died? She's still an iconic woman. Still people talk about Princess Diana. Still people miss her. Still people think that there was a conspiracy theory and the royal family had her done in. That's what people used to say, didn't they? She was done in because she was an embarrassment. Because they've never found anybody. Nobody's ever been charged with the, uh, with the murder or causing of the accident. The police are so incompetent in France, they couldn't find a snail if it crossed the road in front of them. They're that dim. They really, they have to be, along with the Austrian police, one of the dimmest police forces it's ever been my misfortune to read about in the newspapers. So she gets killed in a tunnel. And I remember waking up hearing it. I can remember waking up hearing it. And uh, but we knew something was going wrong. No, I didn't wake up, did I? I'd been on the town with a friend of mine. Papers were late coming out uh, on the way home in the car. Comes up on the news on LBC of um, Princess Diana has been involved in a car accident. By the time I got home. Dead. And that's when everything changed completely. It was, uh, you know, the royal family. The Queen had to be dragged back to London, practically screaming. They weren't coming back. They'd already said we're not coming back. I mean, they, they weren't remotely interested in Diana. They really weren't. They, they couldn't really care less about her. She was an embarrassment. Charles had been having the affair long before he married her. She was just there for air and a spare, and that's exactly what she provided. And uh, the rest of the time, I'm sure she had her faults. I'm quite sure it must have been a nightmare living in a family that weren't talking to her. Nobody spoke to her. They were in their own little world. All the courtiers, nothing to do with Diana. Oh, goodness me. Oh, not dealing with her. No, no, no. She came from outside. Didn't understand the workings of the royal family. So it must sort of irk the royal family now, and Prince Charles especially, that she's the icon. Never going to be putting Camilla Parker Bowles in that list, are they, really? It's always going to be Diana. But I think if she hadn't died young, she probably wouldn't be on that list. But she did. Whether she'd be pleased the way the boys have turned out now, I couldn't possibly comment. I should imagine not too much. She'd probably like to have a better hand in the way that they've been allowed to bring themselves up, whereas Charles had absolutely nothing to do with them. You know, they've been with nannies and all sorts of things like that. That's the way they do it in the royal family. They don't seem to do it, even though, you know, cut them and they bleed, and it's still red blood, not blue blood. 
And so she appears on the top of that list, even after that funeral where the whole country turned out. Royal family dragged back screaming. They had to stand there and wait. And then we had the boys walking with, uh, with Charles and the Duke of uh, Edinburgh as well. And, uh, and uh, Diana's brother. And then that memorable speech in the Abbey where he fit, the royal family sat there with this fixed look on their face, like, let this go away. They get Elton John singing Goodbye, England's Rose. And uh, they all sit there staring into the distance. You never get any emotions from the royal family. T- take away the royal yacht Britannia and you get floods of tears. Or a corgi dies and you get floods of tears, but not for Diana. And, uh, and then uh, her brother stands up and he does his, uh, his speech. And we all sit there. And his voice breaks halfway through. And in all the parks in London, there were big screens erected. I remember it to this day. I watched it on the television. I was sitting there. We'd been sent the order of service and his speech. And we sat there listening and his voice cracked at the end. I'm so proud to be here, you know, to call her my sister and all the rest of it. The iconic complex, blah, 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 Diana. And then there was a pause. And then the applause started. And you could hear it from outside Westminster Abbey. The applause started. It spread through the parks. It spread through the country. It spread through Westminster Abbey. And people... And, and, they, and you were thinking, wow. Wow. That's how much of an impact she had. And the royal family sat there wishing that the whole thing would just go away. It's been a horrible nightmare. So you can imagine how they must be feeling today when uh, Diana is the number one person in the world. You know, the Queen's way down the list. You know, there's lots of people. I mean, she's even above Emily Pankhurst. She's even above Marie Curie. She's even above, you know, thousands of people who are sort of probably even more famous. And yet there she is at the top of the list. They must be hating her. But now on one of the papers, they've done a piece on the royal family. And, uh, and they've said that the Queen actually came to be grateful to Diana. Um, and, and I think they should have been. I think they should. It wasn't her fault. She didn't know that Charles had been having an affair with Camilla for years. She didn't know that. She had no idea. She was just young. I saw her in a field. And there was that famous picture of her holding a child with a see-through dress. And, uh, and everywhere they went, and I remember it vividly because I remember speaking to newspaper editors on LBC and they said, if you put Diana on the front page, we increase circulation. Put her on the front of a magazine, we increase circulation. Put her on a news bulletin, more people are interested in it. It's funny, isn't it? It's very strange. I can remember getting exactly the same in a slightly different way for Boy George. You know, they go, Boy George is going to be on Wogan. You get up at the crack of dawn to watch Boy George on breakfast television to see that he'd done his makeup and his, and his hat was on and all the rest of it and used to sit there and watch. Bros, we did exactly the same. Exactly the same. I doubt you'll ever see anybody like, uh, like Diana again. Still to come, the duvet hogger. In court, apparently, this is something that affects 99.9% of people. You've probably experienced it yourself. It is so annoying, but this one went just a little bit far. And he ended up in court. So we'll talk about that. The bedclothes tussle, of which uh, she wins, because uh, he gets uh, fined. Uh, Wills and Kate sloping off again. When will he be doing a day's work? Lobsters. Lobsters, get your lobsters. Two ninety nine, pounds Uh, The top aide to Labour's uh, Khan wants to be mayor, quits after sick tweets and gun pictures. The BMW bosses say sorry for helping Hitler. Grumpy old Kanye West wants to make a comedy about his life. The only thing funny is how much money you've lost. Hilarious. Uh, Inked up infants arrive in North Dakota, tattooed, not really. And um, apparently the passengers tackling the troll over the foreigner rant. 
It's all on LBC this morning with Steve Allen. On Leading Britain's Conversation, this is LBC with Steve Allen. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC. Morning, everybody. It's Tuesday, the 8th of March. Four minutes, no, very nearly coming up five minutes past six. Come on, come on, come on. You can get out of bed. I know you don't want to. I know somebody who slept in this morning, inadvertently. Uh, the bedclothes tussle in a moment. The duvet hogger in court. Uh, Vin found guilty. Uh, lobsters, £2.99. I mean, how big is a lobster for two ninety nine? And why songs about getting old make the elderly feel miserable? I'm quite depressed about it. The Hatton Garden mastermind, only months to live, so they didn't do him... In court the other day by video link, BMW bosses say sorry for helping Hitler. Pip Schofield signed a £2 million contract. Oh, God, they haven't got anybody else, have they, really? I'm skint, buy me presents, says model. Don't, please. And drunk passengers on a plane. Kicked off, 25 of them. They got on drunk, they carried on getting drunk and abusive, and the pilot went... We're not taking off. Get them off the plane. Get them off the plane. Simple as that. You can't have drunk people on planes. Don't sell alcohol on planes. Don't serve alcohol in the airports. It's just asking for trouble. Some people are a bit simple. You know, they don't understand how it works. And so you have to take it away from them. Uh, in Bazooka Bubblegum, the wax paper was Bazooka Joe cartoons. You remember the, the 1D arrow bar, says Bill. I do remember the arrow bars. I do remember them, Yes. I can remember Lucky Bags. Remember Lucky Bags? We used to call them Jamboree Bags, where you'd have some sort of peculiar toy, a couple of misshapen toffees and a couple of other things in there for thruppence. Or were they a penny? I can't remember. Uh, the curly-haired comedian you're thinking, seeing everywhere, says Angela, is uh, Josh Widdicombe. Quite funny, but way too much exposure. I know. Every time we turn on the television, there he is again. And it's now getting to the, uh, the point of I'm beginning to hate him. I'm beginning to hate him. So, you know, the sooner we keep him off the television, it, it's just getting, it's, it's getting really bad, actually. It's, uh, uh, you'd have a job to swallow a bird warbler, which was a large whistle you filled with water. What you were describing was a swazzle. No, 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 this was definitely a bird thing. This was to do bird impressions, definitely, Malcolm, definitely. I, I had the thing as well for the Punch and Judy. That's the way to do it, that's the way to do it. I remember that one, definitely. And, um, someone says, I bought two birthday cards. I hope you get swamped with cards. How exciting. Yes, yes. It's, yes, it is my birthday coming up very short. I don't like to think about the number. Best not to think about the number at all. And uh, another one here. I remember the x-ray glasses, says Martin. Sent off for them. They never arrived. I was a bit jealous that I never got them. Mind you, I never got a pogo stick. I wanted to get a pogo stick for a birthday present. I never got it. I was promised it by my, uh, my auntie and uncle. Uh, Adrian says, finally got round to voting for you this morning. Hope you win. Yes, I think it's, I think it's a remote possibility, but you know doesn't matter really uh 84850 steve at uk. Uh, a lot of people you know agreeing with me about diana because it was all fact it was factually correct he was having the affair with camilla when it was on the train and they went oh he's been having a secret tryst with diana that was camilla on the train diana knew nothing about it knew nothing about it and as i say i mean i know there's a few people who don't like her but i mean the country showed exactly where their support was and now in this recent survey they've showed so the, the people who don't like diana nobody gives a stuff about them nobody cares about them they're, they're just they're all they're just sort of by themselves you know spouting off the same old twaddle every time whereas in fact everybody knows exactly what went on the royal family crowded her out she had nobody to talk to i think i think the only person who she spoke to was the queen mother 
and Sarah Ferguson, but you wouldn't really want to talk to Sarah Ferguson about anything, would you, really? Uh, nothing worse, Steve, than a screaming, screeching, whining brat, particularly in a coffee shop, let alone a general store. Yeah, this is the, um, the story of John Lewis and a mother with a screaming child. Apparently it made her feel less like a mother. God, why don't these people get over themselves? Something matter what? Because somebody says, can you not do something about your child? People are complaining. Kids sit there and they scream. And it's so high-pitched, it could crack glass. And they go, oh, I just felt like an awful mother. You think, oh, shut up, for goodness sake, honestly. What is the matter with these people? What is the matter? Did you ever buy hard licorice and put it in a, an empty pot bottle with water? Says Alan. No. No, we did do licorice. We did do licorice. I, I like licorice. I know people who hate it. But I used to like the licorice pipes, licorice shoelaces... Actually, in Costco, they do a box of licorice. In fact, they do all sorts of different coloured licorice. Red licorice, yellow licorice, blue licorice, black licorice. And then they do a box of um, things which have got the pipe in there. But it's a lot harder than it used to. I used to love licorice. The pipe used to look like a pipe and it had little pink bits on the top. Do you remember? So it looked... I don't know why we thought it was, you know, but we used to buy sweet cigarettes, didn't we? Come on. We bought sweet cigarettes and we go, oh, I'm smoking. We didn't realise the implication. We just thought we looked grown up because grown up smoke cigarettes. We didn't realise the implication that if you smoked, you were going to get emphysema and the chances are you're going to die pretty early and you're going to die horribly. And it ruins your skin and it just does, you know, it just does everything. It's, it's so bad. I wish I'd never started smoking, but I did smoke and I loved it. I loved it. I've never been sanctimonious about stopping smoking because I appreciate the fact that people smoke. I was addicted to it as well. So here is the man who attacks his girlfriend after a bedclothes tussle. And uh, this one here, because it turns out that more than 99% of you argue over the duvet. You'll be lying there. The duvet covers it, unless it's a really huge duvet. And the other person will pull it out. The next thing, you've got no duvet. And you've got, give me the duvet back. And you have to sort of roll them and they're fast asleep. And you think, give me that... Oh, it just used to drive me mad. Drive me mad. Anyway, Richard Heath became furious when his girlfriend accused him of being greedy with the bed covers and pulled them off him. Uh, when she wouldn't give them back, the father of one snapped, pulled her out of bed by her hair and kicked her in the stomach. He lives with his mum in a house in Macclesfield, £120,000 house. Practically get the whole of Macclesfield for that, can't you, really? He originally denied assault but changed his plea to guilty at the last minute. So they go to bed... They had a dispute over him having all of the bed clothes. She pulled the, the duvet's, duvet off. He pulled it back. Then he pinned her, dragged her out of uh, bed. He was shaking her and kicking her in the stomach. She phoned her brother and the police were called. Uh, the defendant said there had been a disagreement and they'd had a struggle, but he didn't pull her hair. I'm going to sneeze. <coughs> Sorry. <coughs> Again. I do beg your pardon. Can't help it. What they say about sneezing, doesn't it mean that one a wish, two a kiss? Oh, well, there you go. Anyway... Uh, she said the defendant and complainant have been in a relationship for one and a half years with a young child. <laughs> there's a surprise. And uh, the relationship has been strained, but there's been no violence previously. And so over this, this duvet thing, now there is. So he's got a 12-month community order, 60 hours unpaid work, £200 court costs, £60 victim surcharge and banned from contacting his partner. So in other words, the relationship's collapsed over the duvet. All over the duvet. The answer? Separate bedrooms. Separate bedrooms. Can you imagine the Queen and Prince Philip arguing over the duvet? Give me the duvet. No. Give, I'm the Queen. Give me the duvet. <laughs> you see, can't you? <laughs> four blackjacks for a penny, says Brian. Yeah. And the fruit salads, four for a penny. You can actually get quite a lot of uh, sweeties for your pocket money. Uh, bellboy chewing gum. I don't remember that. Gobstoppers. Aniseed balls. I used to love aniseed balls. 
I used to love the mudger, but I'm surprised we had any teeth left as, uh, as kids. Awful. Love listening to you in the morning, Steve. Uh, puts me in a good mood and signals my shift is coming to an end. Listen, if we put a smile on your face at this time, there's not many programmes can do that. I appreciate the fact we are the number one programme in our time slot. Uh, Steve, do we really have no other presenters in the UK to bring back? You know, Philip Schofield, six days a week. Ben Shepherd on seven days a week. Twice Monday to Friday. Good morning, Britain. Tipping Point. Ninja Warrior on Saturday. And Golds on a Sunday. I know. And when you think he was so rubbish when he was on television first time round, wasn't he? Absolutely ghastly. But uh, he loves himself very much indeed. He, he spends most of his time, I'm told, staring in mirrors and faffing about with his hair. But that's fine. But I think ITV don't have anybody else. They really don't have anybody else. That's why they have to put the same people on all the time. And they just go, oh, you, you, you do this programme. Oh, you're doing that? Oh, do, do two. Do two. They're all on there. All on there. Uh, the subject of China. Don't get too carried away with Tiananmen Square. Uh, I have been to uh, in Tiananmen Square. In my mind. In my mind. Is what are you going to eat? What are you going to eat over there? No matter how hard they try, no Chinese restaurant abroad can capture the food made in China. And it's a pity you don't like the, uh, the cold, because the ice festival in Harbin uh, is truly... Oh, I've seen it. I've seen it. I've not been there, but I've seen it. I've got a DVD of it, actually, which is, uh, which is great. Uh, he said, be prepared for dirt and dust. Doesn't bother me. Listen, I mean, I'm, I'm really not worried about dirt and dust and anything like that. I'm just interesting. Uh, Steve, have to disagree, says Anne. If Diana had been plain, she wouldn't have attracted the public's adoration in the way she did. Uh, her death and funeral opened the floodgates of emotional incontinence, from which we've never recovered. The whole country came out and um, hoped the pendulum swings back soon. It won't. 20 years after her death, she is the most popular person. The most popular person. And the trouble is, she wasn't plain. That was the trouble. She had an innocence. She didn't know that the man she was marrying had been having a sexual relationship with, uh, with Camilla Parker Bowles, who he ended up marrying. But, of course, he couldn't really marry Camilla Parker Bowles because she was married to Andrew Parker Bowles, the man who laid down his wife for the Queen. And so that's how it, uh, that's how it worked. So, you know, as I say, there's always going to be people who, who don't like Diana. I couldn't care less, actually. It makes no difference at all because the, uh, the country voted, you know. Uh, we do have another Diana, attention seeker, fame chaser and many fellas, Cheryl Spagbowl. But the trouble is, you see, people always say that. Uh, you know, how on earth could Diana have stopped the paparazzi following her? From the moment it was uh, announced that she was engaged to Charles, the paparazzi were there. She didn't need to seek fame. She didn't need to seek it. She never sought fame. It was always, it was foisted on by the press. The press gave her that. You know, I know exactly how it worked because I was in the middle of Fleet Street at the time. And many fellas, I don't think so. She was uh, innocent. That's the whole idea. They had to find the right girl, didn't they, for Charles, who'd been sort of sowing his wild oats for a number of years. And I suppose the end result is we see, uh, you know, Diana's children now. One props up bars. The other one has children. One's got an orange beard. And people keep saying, oh, they've got the same father. We've been through that a million times, a million times. And of course, if people choose to believe internet gossip, then that's up to them. But unfortunately, at the end of the day, if you did a survey in this country, Diana would come out top of it time and time and time again. It's uh, quarter past six, LBC News time. Latest headlines, Ellen and Oakes. This is LBC with Steve Allen. Certainly is. Good morning. It's 6.20. It's Tuesday the 8th of March. So very shortly, you'll be shelling out two ninety nine for a lobster. That's what they're selling it for. Imagine what they're paying for it. They must be paying, what, one ninety nine. Something like that. It comes from Canada, and uh, they can only fish 
Uh, these ones, this is uh, baited traps. That's how you get them. Uh, two months a year to protect the stock and to make sure the catch is in pristine condition. Can't be much of a lobster for two ninety nine. Best ones, I'm told, are from Scottish or Cornish waters, which are in the region of 20 to £30 pounds because of the strict catch limits. And they're big. My friend Stuart, as you know, has got a, a fish shop in Twickenham, and uh, he does lobsters, and they're about twenty five, thirty pounds. And he w- he'll he'll dress it for you. I mean, I don't think he'd have any truck with a two ninety nine lobster. That's that's sort of appealing to a completely different market, I should imagine. There's just been a case in America. It's just been concluded, and it was somebody who was on a television reality show, and they were staying in a hotel, and uh, a stalker uh, got into the hotel, like walked in, I suppose, I don't know, and managed to film her through the keyhole of the room and uh, and then put the uh, film up online. Well, the court in America, they have different jurisdiction over in America, as you'll discover when I tell you what the compensation is. She took it to court and said it was just awful and it was uh, invasion of her privacy. She hadn't done this. She hadn't consented to it. She didn't know it was being done, blah, blah, blah. How much was she just awarded? $55 million. $55 million. I, mean, I, can't, I can't believe it myself. Even the lady on Sky News just said, I mean, it seems like an awful lot of money, doesn't it, for just being filmed, but you didn't know you were being filmed. And I always thought that if in this country, I've seen cases before of, uh, I think there was a case that came up about five, ten years ago, of uh, some guys who were filmed uh, with a secret camera, and the judge said, well, because they didn't know about it, it didn't actually make any difference. And it was for this person's uh, benefit. $55 million dollars. Ridiculous, isn't it? Phil Vickery says Cornish lobsters are fabulous. See, I can't eat... I've tried lobster. I don't like it. I wish I, wish I could tell you I do, but, you know, I'm, I'm not very good with sort of fish and stuff like that. But he does remember the black jacks, uh, black jacks and the fruit salad. Two for a penny. Four for a penny. They were a farthing each, weren't they? Did it work? No, it was f- definitely four for a penny. Definitely four for a penny. And I can tell you the bottle of Corona was one and tuppence. Tenpence if you got the money back on the bottle. And also, poor um, poor Phil never got a chopper bike. Uh, his father said they were dangerous, so he never got one. Oh, I never got a chopper bike either. In fact, I just got a, a second-hand bike, which was, you know, it was OK. I never complained. We, I don't think we ever had lobster as children, ever. I don't think we ever, ever in a million years had lobster. I don't think we'd have known what to do with it. I certainly don't think my mother could have cooked it. I'm pretty uh, pretty certain. Uh, more of your uh, texts and uh, emails. Another one here. Jackie says, uh, my husband's going off to play golf in five minutes in the cold. I know, but Jackie, you're a golfing widow. If me- men have become addicted, and ladies, and ladies, as you know, my friends, Hillary and Alec down at the Barmy Arms, they're both golf mad. They will They will fly the world to go and play golf. They both love it. Both love it. But uh, she says, your show does make me smile again and again and again. So just three times in the course of a programme. It's true, though, isn't it? Uh, Katie Hopkins uh, uh, had a a rant. Actually, I thought she was going to have a rant the other day, but she's just come out of uh, surgery, so I think it's it's highly unlikely. Uh, Many years ago, says Mark, fed up with my wife hogging the duvet, I walked into the bedroom with a hammer and some nails. I told her if she hogged the duvet again, I would nail my side to the bed. Hasn't happened since. Oh, it's nothing worse, was there? Absolutely nothing worse than uh, than trying to actually get the, get the duvet back off somebody who was in who was intent on keeping it. It's. Uh, I have had a couple of occasions like that. Acid drops. Ooh, acid drops. Thank you. And uh, Chris in Essex says, "I've now got moobs. Does that count as gender reassignment?" 
<laughs> Mind you, I'd have to lose the beard. Oh, I don't know. Not necessarily. Not necessarily. And uh, Steve. This is one here. says, bring back Michael Barrymore. Great value for money on a Saturday night. Sweet tobacco was sugar, wasn't it? That's all it was. It was just sugar, but it was, but it was, it was quite nice. And uh, milk bottles and milk gums. Yeah, milk bottles I liked. They had a certain taste to them, didn't they? But my favourite were floral gums. They were a little bit camp. But floral gums were absolutely delicious. Absolutely delicious. And then I saw them recently, and they weren't at all the same as I remembered them. Sweet tobacco, sweet cigarettes. I used to love sweet cigarettes. Isn't it funny we used to think that they were really posh, didn't we? Sweet cigarettes. <laughs> oh, dear. Honestly, it's terrible, isn't it? Um, the other thing I, I, I do remember, when it, and I'm, I don't want to go down the route of sweeties. It's not that, that sort of programme. But uh, I, I used to try and get as many sweets as possible. So we did used to buy shrimps. Remember those shrimp things, which were just, again, it was just sweet sugar. And you could still find them. You go into sweetie shops now, proper sweetie shops. You know, not those ones which have set up, which sort of make it look like really old-fashioned, but the prices are really up-to-date. But uh, very, very sort of old-fashioned sweetie shops where the, the sweeties came in jar. I used to love pineapple chunks. I was so happy with pineapple chunks. And then the other day, somebody what did somebody give me? Somebody gave me a sweet the other day. Oh, it was a sherbet lemon. I haven't had a sherbet lemon for... Oh, God, the best part of 20 years. Best best part of, of, of 20 years. I've not had a sherbet lemon, and I absolutely loved it. Golf, good walk, spoiled. Was it Mark Twain says that? Said sorry. Uh, golf, good walk. Yeah, I mean, I just can't get over... I see Phil Vickery playing golf. I don't know why. It's another one of those str- strange images that I have. I could see him in the trousers. I can. I could see him in the trousers walking... In fact, I'm sure in my mind I've seen a picture of you on a golf course... Pretty certain, pretty certain. Uh, 84850, and uh, uh, people talking earlier on on LBC, you remember if you were listening overnight, to uh, the fact that, you know, women should be paid equal pay, same as men. And if you listen to the beginning of this programme, when you uh, when you podcast it, and I sincerely hope you do, you will discover that I agree. But, of course, in this business, it's nigh on impossible. Because nobody's doing exactly the same job as me. Nobody's doing exactly the same job as Nick Ferrari, because he does the breakfast show. You know, if somebody else came in to do the breakfast show, theoretically, they should get the same money. doesn't quite work like that. You know, and if somebody was doing exactly the same job as myself, then they should get the money. Uh, more on this uh, story, which I, I knew was going to uh, have legs. Sadiq Khan, um, he, uh, he'd been under pressure to sack Shoeb Salah following revelations that the speechwriter had made a series of offensive comments. He's quite clearly a bit stupid. Uh, which uh, some of them included that Fusilier Lee Rigby's murder may have been faked, abusive comments about women, homophobic jides and insults to Bengalis. He quite clearly needs to be distanced as quickly as possible from Sadiq Khan. He previously worked for a solicitor's firm. God in heaven, honestly. There's no accounting for it nowadays, is there really? And I love the story in America of two brothers, and they both won the lottery. Uh, One... Here, they've uh, they won the lottery on the same day. Bob Stockless won $7 and his brother won $291 million. <laughs> How exciting is that? Which is about £204 million. And uh, they both bought their tickets during the trip at the same time. They both bought them exactly the same time, different places. And uh, one won $7 and the other got $291,400,000. Now, that's what I call a happy story. We like a happy story to finish on, so I wish you a pleasant day. And, uh, oh, never, says Phil. 
Are you sure? I'm sure I've seen a picture of you. Perhaps it's because you look like somebody else who plays golf. I've just got a picture in my mind of you standing there in Rupert Bear-type trousers. I don't know why. I've got a very vivid imagination, as you can imagine. This time of the morning and going to sleep the time I go to sleep, you need a vivid imagination. Anyway, listen, thank you so much for your company today. Don't forget, every day I have a free podcast up for you. I know that many of you are new podcasters, which means that you've been to the LBC website and you've downloaded the free app for your mobile or tablet, which means that you, you get the free podcast. You can pay for the remainder of the uh, the programme, which comes to you complete with uh, no ads, no news, no travel, all taken out. You just get the programme. And you can download everything on LBC from as little as £2 a month. £2 a month! Can't even buy a pint for that, for goodness sake. And this is a month's worth, and you get to keep it all. And you can go back, I think, around three years, or longer in some of the cases. You download everything and keep it. So if you're going away on holiday, you've always got podcasts to listen to. So my advice would be to do that and to download as much stuff as is possible because uh, about three years we, we go back, I think, normally a little bit longer on some of the in conversations. So listen, have yourself a great day. Wrap up nice and warm. I'll be back with you tomorrow morning, same time, same place. You can always rely on me to be here because I don't do holidays. So download the free LBC app on the LBC website and then you never miss a moment. Follow me on Twitter at Steve Allen Show. Leading Britain's conversation at 7 Nick Ferrari at breakfast. But coming up next, Lisa Aziz with the morning news. LBC. On the